Welcome into the Sport Codex Show, episode 112. This is taken from a live Facebook recording we had with the guys from the You Can't Complice podcast, Russell and Adam. Really awesome chat. We had Paris on as well, talking NBA cards and a bit of NBA, Bill Russell, and a lot about grading actually. So yeah, grading cards. Um, real fun, real fun chat we had with these guys. So yeah, listen in and... You can follow them on Twitter at you can't comp this. Check them out on Spotify if you love NBA and love trading cards. Yeah, Adam and Russell from You Can't Comp This podcast. Um, yeah, thanks for jumping on. Thank you I'm for glad. having us. Yeah, We're honoured, honestly. Yeah, this is this is a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, these are always really good. Eh? The guests love it coming on here, just yarning cards and talking hoops and a bit of pop culture as we were just then. So yeah, perfect. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for coming on, guys. So, yeah, in NZ, there's not too much content here. I mean, <laughs> this is pretty much it, eh, Paris? There's not not many yeah. other guys talking cards and putting it up on YouTube or doing a podcast or doing Facebook Lives like this. So, yeah, we we yeah. talked about it a, a bit in the um, NBA group, but, you know, I think there, there was a, a bit of a push a little while ago for some sort of podcast interviews type things, but I think the sheer scale of the the doing it puts a lot of people off where I think the reason mm. why we've, we've, I mean, we've only done like six or seven or whatever, but it's not a drag, you know, because yep. we're pretty, pretty yep. sporadic, <laughs> yeah. pretty chill <laughs> and super unprofessional. So it, yeah. it actually works <laughs> with the rest of life. So that, that's pretty, how podcasting you know. is uh, is set up though, isn't it? It's, it, it's that platform where you go, we want to, we want to be out in the media, but we want to be amateur. Let's just jump on and do it. Ourselves. We want to retain yeah. our cool sort of that's it. relaxed vibe. It's a bit more informal and it's very accessible too these days. Like really, if you think about setting up a podcast, the actual initial yeah. outlay is, you know, you could do it for less than $50 if you really wanted to. So it does make it accessible for a lot more people. And there's so many shows out there actually at the moment too, that if there's some small niche topic that you do want to investigate or deep dive into, if you did, you know, a 10 minute search, you'd be able to come up with something. Yeah, so. true. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just getting, getting on there right? and talking about it. So, and having yeah. a bit of fun, it's like, so why not? This is shit we talk about in real life anyway. If you know meeting at the pub and having a beer or whatever, and yeah, correct. You yeah. might as well just chuck it online and get other yeah. people to come and chat about it. So what am I? I actually really like true crime podcasts, and one I'm listening to at the moment is actually a New Zealander gentleman. It's called The Fallon Show. His name is David Obeda. Have you guys heard of him? Nah. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> yeah, I actually worked with someone with the surname Obeda, so I might. Anyway, he's a really interesting guy, and he basically just interviewed felons basically and ex-felons yeah and i think his sort of perspective is getting is, tips <laughs> oh i think actually he's, he's building up the master plan that's <laughs> it well actually he's like he's reformed now so he's done his time um he's been actually deported back to new zealand but now he's like he's found and he's all about you know getting his life back it's on track alibi so. really he's, he's smart <laughs> wow yeah, there'd be some stories. cool. Yeah, there'd be some cool stories. Sure, and the yeah, perfect crime. Yeah. Just another world like that he's sort of lived in, basically. Like it's just yeah, yeah. unbelievable. Sorry, well, yeah. I yes, totally right, segued mate. you there. I was yeah. gonna say we 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 do have a habit on the sh- on our show of segueing <laughs> a lot. And Russell, Russell's got a taste for it, and he can't stop now. <laughs> You'll fit right in. It's yeah. great. <laughs> we're we're full of tangents and stuff. Yeah. Oh, it's great. <laughs> yes, no worries. Um, cards. Guys, uh, talk about Russell, Adam, you, you guys choose who you want to go first. Tell us how you got into cards and um, 
we'll eventually get to how you got into the podcast. But yeah, go back to your origin story. Way, way back yeah. when. Um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll take this one. Basically, when I was I'm trying to remember, I was around about 11 or 12 years old, um, a sort of sports cards became a thing. And I used to collect footy cards when I was at primary school. But as I ventured into high, uh, the early days of high school, it was we moved from footy cards to basketball. And that's at the top, like early 90s, we're talking up the 92, yeah. 93 upper deck set, like the iconic card. But none of the kids at school knew where to get Jordan cards from. And I knew where the locals, like where the sports card store was in the city. So I nice. would go in and I would buy out as many Jordans as I could, um, generally from 50 cents to a dollar. And I would take them to school and I'll sell them for two to five dollars each. Early in the flipping game. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like in well, year I think seven or eight. Found patient zero. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and upper deck helped because they just kept printing cards. It was fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah you, print, you printed money. So yeah, yeah, it was like, oh, this is easy. I could, could bankroll. Um, yeah. And then I suppose it became a little bit more serious after the 90s or late 90s is when I jumped back into the hobby. A uh, young gentleman by the name of Kobe Bryant was playing basketball and yeah. had me hooked back on the game. Uh, so I, I, I collect Kobe and have, have done for a very long time. And yeah, sort of been in and out over the years, but have um, have always sort of, I've been a hardcore Lakers fan Well, before I collected basketball cards. So. Right in the stream. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm going to get in trouble now. I've seen who everybody goes for. We're in trouble. Oh. We seem to have lost. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. We're going through a tunnel. Is it, uh, we're in an elevator. Whoops. He's experiencing but, massive yeah. difficulties. Uh, look, look. We're, I'm experiencing difficulties. We've got Russell Westbrook on our team, so let alone. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Russell's not going to talk about Westbrook tonight, is he? No, he's still oh, good. banned. Good. Yeah. Still banned. Definitely. Um, yeah, in and out of the hobby. And then, yeah, yeah the last sort of... Um, I don't know. It was when I sort of really got back into it and sort of ever since. And that's when I sort of discovered box breaking, other crazy stuff that had evolved from, from the days when you went down the shop and bought a box of cards and sort of cracked 30 packs and had some fun. It was buy a box and there's three cards in it. And Yeah, it's so different. I remember yeah. you know, I come back into 2018-ish and jersey <laughs> cards? What the hell? They're like, there's what, a bit of the jersey. This yeah. is awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's just mind-blowing stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was um it was definitely yeah, it was a completely different world, but it was different but the same, I, I guess, is yeah. what what I what I saw it as. And yeah, sort of always had a, a love of basketball, but the, the card games always brought me back in. Hey, quickly just before we go to you, Russell, um footy cards been Melbourne, so that's definitely AFL. Yeah. AFL, correct, correct. Yeah. Yes, no, not rugby. Yeah. So I'll yeah. just so who did, who do you guys uh barrack for and uh uh I'm a Sydney supporter actually because oh, they yeah, used Swans. to be based in um yeah. they used to be based in South Melbourne which is where I grew up. Yeah. They moved there in the 80s, was it? 1981 they were shafted yeah. north, that's right, against against the wishes of their members. But the league thought it was best for league expansion to move them north and oh well, so be it. We're such down the rel- track now. Yeah. Such a religion in in uh, Melbourne. Eh? It yeah. is. Yeah. It is. If you, if you say you don't follow footy in and you live in Melbourne, it's it's kind you get this can like you live under what? a rock <laughs> what's wrong with you that said we've yeah. we, we have been welcoming to other sports now we've got a, a, our rugby the storm have been around for a while now and we're even playing some 
what European football or soccer. Nice. Russell. Your turn, Russ. I don't like football at all, actually. So I'm the oh, complete like, anti-Melbourneian <laughs> person. Yeah, yeah. But uh, going back to the basketball card collecting thing, I've been th- I've actually been asked this question a few times now. So I've had sort of a, like a little bit of think about it, and hmm. I wonder it actually at the heart of this question is you either collect or you don't collect. And I think in our family we have sort of you know a very strong sort of stream of people collecting you know bits and pieces. Or like in my grandpa's case, he used to like go to uh, op shops and you know pick out of those. So wow. I, I do sort of wonder if a little bit of this is like genetic and because, you know, you sort of see those people that mm. they talk about basketball cards, but, or anything else you've collected and they just don't, don't understand or they don't see the value in it. So, yeah. whereas I've always sort of enjoyed, you know, click, I clicked CDs for a long time and I always sort of had, you know, stuff in my room, but I'd probably say the heart of it for me was I've always really enjoyed basketball. Like I was just one of those kids that walked around with the basketball in their hand and, Every day before school, I played basketball and every recess I played basketball. That's, you know, just pretty well all I did. So I think for me, probably, you know, collecting was a way for me to, you know, get to basketball because in Australia, it was very difficult to watch basketball on TV. Yeah. Like so it was sort of that's true. one sort of, you know, um, delayed replay game that was on a week or something like that. And then, you know, sort of my earliest memories of, you know, basketball cards always there was a little local market down near my place and there was a kid that sold cards there. He sold like sealed packets, you know, for $2 a packet. And um, he sold singles there too. And he would often trade with you. So if you opened a pack and you got like a really good card out of it, he would give you, you know, 10, 10 packets for it or, you know, six packets. Oh, wow. He was, he was very generous. Like, I think, you know, I'm sure he made money out of it, but at the same time too, you know, he was never shafting the little kids went down there. Like he, <laughs> he looked after them. And then I was going to say, you didn't, you didn't know a guy that was selling cards at school by any chance. <laughs> 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 no, I never oh, really saw people yeah. doing that at school. And, and then like, I went to, you know, high school and I, I dropped out of card collecting and, I, and same as university. And I was pretty mm. late getting back into it. I was sort of like 16, 17, 17, 18. Then I started to do it. And then I was buying boxes and really how I, you know, got into the position that I'm in now is I bought a sealed case of Donruss and it was too much for me to open. So I was trying to like flip some of those over. And that's how I sort of stumbled into Facebook groups and stumbled into breaking. And it's all just sort of like just snowballed from there now. And pretty much every waking moment now, I'm just, you know, breaking and sorting out cards and, you know, sorting out my own PC and scouring eBay. And I've just gone on to PWCC and I think, there's a lot of potential on that site too in terms of mm. just getting some you know really nice sort of low to medium end stuff I, I obviously don't have access to the the premier um accounts there have you guys had a look on pwcc at the premier stuff paris mortal um i have but i just can't stand that dude that run brent oh really yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so but basically we, i used to spend heaps of time on blowout and yeah. like PWCC went through a real horrendous phase of selling trimmed and altered cards and refusing to take them take them down from eBay. Oh, okay. Which is where the yeah it was called Boda, which was the blowout detective agency, and we yeah. all there was like a group of us that would find serial number the same card when it was pulled or other photos of it before it was graded, and do overlays of the the card over the one that's in the grading slabs to show okay. where it had been cut or it used to be an eight and then it turns up as a PSA 10. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, oh, we're, and wow. people are like, no, 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 no. So there's trackers of like, you know, Durant rookie cards, Curry rookie cards, anything that's serial numbered or 
has really distinct autos most of those guys who were going through it pretty hard out and it got to the point where there was enough pressure on pwcc that um they started taking things down but that brent dude literally said um images are not proof and we were like well i don't know what else you want what but, what's um, proof then yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah, yeah. it was inter- it was interesting because they they were they'd become very very high value cards so there was a lot of money on the line um but i mean the thing is if if you're turning an eight to a ten and someone's getting ripped off somewhere you know yep. so yep. yeah yeah um, I, I, I don't know I, th- I think i'm probably i don't know if i get over that but um that's <laughs> fine no, it's just kind of scummy yeah yeah but i no. think you're right just just to go back to what you're saying before around the collectings kind of in in the veins and all that so my my dad was actually an antique dealer um yeah, yeah. so he got me you know we we're always mm. around he, he always, we had really nice things, but multiples of them. So it was like collections. Yeah. So I think I always sort of yeah. you know, value in, in, in having an array of things you yep. know, that are kind of the same. So th- that sort of got me into um, collecting ge- in general with cards is one of it. But um, even other stuff like I collect watches and like effects pedals for guitars and just all, all, all kinds of stuff. But I, I very rarely just have one of something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, kind of not you know just settle on one there's always sort of well what else is out there you know it's mm. like it's very similar to this one but i kind of need it you know <laughs> so yeah, I, don't, I don't know where that part comes from yeah mine is pretty much the same as russell too like that lack of nba content back in the day mm. like shit i just want to get any piece of nba stuff i can get and cards were the most easy because yeah. you read the stats on the back and yeah oh yeah, yeah that's true drafted seventh and you could because I'm a real stats nerd, eh? When it yep. comes to NBA, I'm just NBA geek. So, yeah, yeah, getting into the cards back in the day. That was all the information you had. So Yeah, it was. That was, know? yeah. So you looked at it. You actually looked at it. Yeah, you read the back. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, these days, people are like, well, you read the back. Yeah. Did people you read get it and go, doesn't NBA daily player specifically jersey or something? <laughs> yeah. other, and then it's like... Did you get that NBA Daily newspaper that was sort of around in like the 90s and 2000s? It was a weekly newspaper and it had all the box scores in it. Ah, did not I see that. I don't remember that. that. Yeah, they, yeah, because I was getting slams and all that sort of stuff sent over yeah, from slams around that time. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really good deal when you got the slam sent out too. I, it was like 10 mm. bucks a year. It was like, yeah, it was cheap as shit. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. Oh, that wow. was really good. I yeah. used to get, I used to buy the Beckett I actually, so that yeah. came out monthly. I get the new the new Beckett every month. Um, there was another price guide that came out that just didn't have as much information. But it was for box scores. It was always the newspaper sports section yeah. of the newspaper. Yeah. Looking scrolling through. Actually, the, yeah, they were in the Herald Sun too. The Herald yeah. Sun, the back. Yeah. You'd, you'd be looking up yeah. in the minor sports, and you'd you'd yeah. go, oh NBA scores yeah, from the previous day. Yeah, yeah, it's good enough for me. I just print. need to know. <laughs> I had a friend. I had a friend that um that had uh, cable effectively before most people had access to it so we had we had access to espn like once a week yeah it was yeah we'd go around place, kings yeah. of the castle uh, well funnily enough he's now a celtics fan Ooh, and, and, and yeah, yeah yeah well we, but that was it he was obsessed with larry bird and i i wanted to be the next magic johnson and until we got to high school and it was like haha your players hiv positive i'm like well 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 i actually got a letter published into beckett um, oh, nice. magazine yeah um actually I, I i had the original copy of it but i don't know what happened to it and then i was talking to the pippin collector Slob, slobby the great who australian dude who had a real amazing 
and he remembered it because it was about a Pippin card. Yeah. And so he he actually had the magazine and scanned oh, it and wow. sent it to me. Like wow. literally scanned it, not even a photo. And it was like back then. <laughs> wow. Because kind of cool. I'd got a um I've still got it, like a 9697 autographics, but it's it's black. And it's oh. when there was only blue ones floating around, like bright blue, and it was pulled in the store and I traded for it when it got pulled. And it's oh, like wow. dead black. And so I'd sent that in with the photos and questions saying, um, I know you said there's only blue ones, but what's up with this one? What's this? It doesn't yeah. look blue to me. Yeah. But the funny thing is, I'm pretty sure it was printed in black and white. <laughs> so it was like kind of like, <laughs> like, it's like, it's like here's a photo. It's like, <laughs> it looks could have been yeah. pink for you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, Russell, was there, who do you support in the NBA? I'm a bit of an atheist actually when it comes to teams because, again, it was like, it was very tricky for me to you know, pick up stuff. And I, once I got league, actually I had Pontel. Do you, do you guys, did you hear what about that? What that did you yeah. hear what that was? Nope. It was a DVD subscription service. And then each week oh, you would wow. email them what game that you wanted. And they'll literally like burn it onto a, you know, those yeah. like old DVD burners used to have. I, I, I've actually got That's five, cool. five Pontel discs. Yeah. Um, there are, they're a company in Europe and then yeah. I used to just post them out. So I used to try and like watch each team, you know, over the seat. And so I would just try and pick the best game of the week and then they would nice. post it out to us. So, yeah. And when I got league pass, I never didn't need Pontel anymore. Yeah. And then I've sort of still stayed in that same vein. I try and watch every, every team each season. And then obviously you sort of have teams that you enjoy watching more. Like the Hornets have been really good the last couple of years. And going back a few years, I was pretty much just watching Warriors exclusively and, I do have a soft spot for the Kings. I probably watch in terms of non-good games, like probably more Kings than any other team. But <laughs> no, that'd, be, that'd be tough. I think they'll be all right this year. <laughs> I think they should be okay. And look, actually, the Magic have been sneaky good the last couple of years too. I think they've got a lot of, you know, sort of fun young pieces. Yeah, they'll and, be fun this year. Yeah, I, I like the, that sort of stuff. And even Detroit was like good down the back end of this year, like watching Cade. I think that guy's... Okay. Yeah, he's got, he's I think, a lot of talent. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Carl's so, a Pistons guy. Oh, are you really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Big Pistons fan. So, yeah. What do you it, think his ceiling is then, man? Like, you could call him a Luca light, but being compared to Luca now is just the overreach. But his, the style of game is similar. So, like, I don't think he'll get to the levels of Luca, yeah. but he's definitely an all star in the making. Yeah. What about Chris Paul? Yeah, I, I want a championship though, eh? So <laughs> yeah. he, could, he could be very well be the next Chris Paul. Yeah, mm. I mean, I, I think his game's different, but yeah, I sort of see those the the Luca comparison, like a big mm. guard, you know, can create his own shot from par. Yeah, I think he can be like a ten year all star if he yeah injury wise and you know all that. So yeah, yeah, maybe not an all time great, but. Yeah, yeah. All-time Pistons there. great, potentially. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they haven't been in the spotlight for a while, but they've got some greats out there. Yeah, oh, yeah, yes. Like, I, I became a Pistons. Like, at the end of the when I was a kid, I was I was like, I never had a team. I was like, I sort of liked a bit of the Miami Heat. I liked a bit of the Bulls, Hornets. I just liked watching basketball. And I was like, oh, man, I've got to choose a team. And then it was actually just... I picked the Pistons and Grant Hill got traded. So like oh, 98, geez. 99 sort of thing. Yeah. And then what we left with Terry Mills and. Yeah. Terry, the, yeah. Chucky and... Atkins we traded for. And... <laughs> God. 
Yeah, it was it was bad. And that would have been rough. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> I, I didn't mind it. I was like, no, nah, I was start with a bad team, and then and then you traded a future first for um, Otis Thorpe, right? Yeah, yeah, that was earlier, earlier a few years earlier. I think. Was yeah. ended up being Michael Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> it turned out but to I... be it was Darko, wasn't it? Yeah, it's darker. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, so it was a rough run, but hey, their championship made up for it. For sure. Yeah, I was going to say. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah that, team, that team was actually awesome. Yeah, a lot of people have super balanced. Mm. Sheed, Big Ben, Rip, and yeah, Tayshawn, awesome team. But I didn't mind jumping on when they were shit because it was like, nah, you can't say I'm jumping on the bandwagon or supporting this team. You've been here for a while, yeah. Look yeah. at my Chucky Atkins jersey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, nah, it's, a, it's a good team to recall. You know, I've yeah. been the underdog. Yeah. Well, that's it. And, and they have tasted success, and I think they will taste it again. So, yeah, now nah, Cade Sadiq, we've got a good core. I'm liking it, man. Jaden Ivey. Mm. Ivey's going to light good. it up this year, man. Yeah. 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 Yeah, his athleticism is just crazy. It's just like another Jamarant, to be yeah, honest. I, he I looks think, so similar. Yeah, true. I think. Yeah, actually, I think that's gonna be an awesome backcourt. Those two together, and they I'm just hoping. make they make so much sense putting those two together. Yeah, yeah, good compliment. So, so how do you guys get into the podcasting after that? So you got back into the game <laughs> like <laughs> five five or so years ago, oh. both of you guys. So then yep. obviously into the breaks and yeah, just, how did you meet? We met through a mutual friend. Classic. Why don't you <laughs> say your side of the story, Ad, and then I'll most good my relationships side of the story. often start that way. Yeah. We'll, we'll compare notes. We're going to compare yeah. notes. So, yeah. so I started. I was asked to be a co-host on another podcast about would have been just over a year ago, year year and a half, say, probably not that long. Anyway. Basically, come on, I was looking looking for a for a, a co-host, and two two of my friends messaged me and said they knew me through Magic the Gathering. Um, and this guy does Magic the Gathering. Um, his name's Al. Does chess breaks, and he used to do a mail time segment. So he he basically all the cards he'd been buying through the week. He did got the mail and opened it, and we discussed the cards, talked about the breaks he'd been going in, and just general NBA. I'm like, I can do this. This is a bit of fun. And then we had Russell on one week as a guest. Uh, we were supposed to have a few people on, but Russell was the only one that turned up from the group. <laughs> as discussed off air, lads. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then and then it was so so we had Russell on the show, and and then I think it was a, a, about a, a month or two later. Yeah. Um, I was still sort of doing a little bit of mail time with Al. And and we were starting to play video, like doing just a random stream at times. But Russell reached out and said, um, was he asked if I would be interested in coming on his show because he was uh, struggling to get uh, consistently get the whole crew together to show up for the show. Was looking for a couple of guests to fill some time, and so we did a couple of episodes together. They kind of weren't really keen on a weekly commitment, was my understanding, and just sort of looked at each other and went, you know, we could just start our own podcast, right? Yeah. And yeah, I think we brainstormed names for about a day. I like the name. I like the name. That was ads, actually. That's all. That was yeah. ad. Yeah. I I think I had MC Hammer just running through my head <laughs> for like a day and a half. It was. We're going to get done for copyright. Yeah, <laughs> like we're going to start. See, we can't do a, a jingle or anything. We'll we'll be paying legal. Yeah, our live feed went off 
one for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for our first one. <laughs> so there's no DMZ way to get a strike for this. It's <laughs> like 10 seconds later, dunk off. <laughs> mm. Yeah. See how we do, how, Russell? How did, I go, how did I go with with my recollection of events, Russ? Tell us the yeah, real no, story, I'm, I'm totally <laughs> fine with the real that. story. <laughs> I might just like sort of wind it back a little bit for me because I would say, so uh, I went from high school to university straight into the workforce and I'm a nurse. So if you think about the most sort of vanilla slash boring slash, you know, um, guaranteed work that you're never going to be out of work, that, that was just like me. So from that part of my life, I've been very stable. I think as a consequence of the way I've sort of lashed out or I've sort of, you know, compensated for that, I've always been coming up with these sort of crazy schemes, you know, side hustles or, you know, other ideas in my life that I want to do. So a couple of things I want to do is like work on radio. I thought that would be like really good, but I can never make that work with shift work and stuff like that. It was just sort of tore me. And then the other thing I've always wanted to do was like stand up comedy, but I'm just not funny. So that was like something that, you know, would never work. And then <laughs> when um, the idea of podcasting came up, the lads actually asked them, would I like to come onto their show as just a guest? I couldn't have jumped at it faster. And then they sort of chatted to me very informally and maybe like six months later, they said, you know, come onto the show. And I had a really good time. Like I was, very nervous and I was you know scared in some ways but it was just a really enjoyable thing just sort of meeting guys with similar interests and you know putting out your narrative researching into a topic and sort of you know forming some type of you know dialogue like I really enjoyed it and then um, I was asked to formally come onto the show but I would probably say that the show was on its last legs and it was sort of just fizzing out a little bit so we had a little bit of you know trouble with that you know, consistently getting people to come on. And even though that might sound like a critical thing, um, what I'm saying about the lads, I would probably balance it out with what I'm about to say now. Like without Shane and Neb's opportunity to come on, I would never be in this position. And they took a lot of time out to teach me and work me up and to sort of getting me into like a, you know, reliable host. So I've got nothing but love for the guy. So, you know, please don't think it's like that. But also pragmatically, when they weren't turning up to the show, I was doing podcasts by myself, which was really good because I got a lot more repetition and, and practice yep. in like it's, and it's very difficult to podcast by yourself too. Mm, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. And then I was yeah. reaching out to people to come on with me as a guest. And I, I did remember Adam, the way he spoke on the show when I was on Cheshire's show and um, just, I, I suppose our personality types a little bit too. I'd probably say our personality types, you know, mesh quite well. So yeah. And then after that, we just started working together. And I would probably say just every week, I think, you know, we just get a little bit better. And like Adam said, we then started our own show. So we sort of moved away from the other show and, you know, started our own. Mm. And and I'd probably say the thing that I think we've done probably the best, I'm not saying the best in the world, but I think we've done very well is we've been consistent. So we've done 38 episodes ad and we haven't had a week off. So we've done 38 nice. weeks straight. Yeah. 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 And part of that's, you know, planning and contingency planning. So sometimes we record ahead or if we know we're going on holidays or, you know, Christmas is coming up, yeah. like we'll record it and have one in the bag. So um, I think, yeah, you're right. The the being prepared and being committed. I think we talked about this early days though. We, yeah. we were like, you know what, we, we if we want to do this, let, let's commit to do at least that hour every week, whatever the time of the week, and then just get the show out at the same time. Yeah. You got to do it like that, eh? You got to yeah. like, yeah. We're just teammates, so yeah. like, if one's down, uh, the other's there to, to to back to back up. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, I was in hospital a few months ago, so, and and Russell did a couple of episodes, um, by himself. Yeah. And that was yeah. 
there's a huge huge chop out because they wouldn't let me record from the hospital bed <laughs> was causing too much too much noise <laughs> Jenny, you could have put in a call russ and say look i'm in the business just uh, let, let, let him do what he needs that's it you have no idea how little sway i have in that space okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah but that, I mean, that's us. And I'd probably mm. say, just to go on what you're saying then, Carl, actually, we spend very little time editing. So yeah, a lot of the the time that we put into it is actually more about the preparation time and the actual delivery than, you know, like social media. Prepara- we- pre- preparation? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not very good at preparation. Yeah, like we don't do a lot of socials or anything like that either. Like, you know, we are amateurs and, you know, this is not our full-time job or, you know, yeah. any, anything near it. Yeah. So that's... How you know, at the end of the day, you're having fun, you know, you're talking about stuff that you like, you know, yeah. like in real life. It'd be different yeah. if you're coming on here talking, I don't know. Either. Like something professional and like, yeah. oh, yes, we're, yeah. yeah. No, we're not definitely. claiming to be experts about anything. We're, we're hobby enthusiasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and yeah, we're, we've, I think we, we do have a caveat on the show where we talk about uh, decisions with investments into cards. It's like, do your own research, uh, make your own decisions. Advice. This is not... <laughs> Yeah, it, yeah, we're not we're not card investors that it's are bowl telling bowl. you where to. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's the way to do it. I mean, I think some of the best conversations that I've had on this is, well, in general, is when I've been completely wrong about stuff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're the they're the ones you remember most, and that, and that's it. And you just go, oh, this card's going to tank. I don't know why it's going up, and then the player just becomes, yeah, is the thing. That was me with Jason Tatum six months ago. To be fair, I was like, <laughs> I don't understand why you guys are paying these dollars for Jason Tatum. You know, so, <laughs> where can I get some Tatums? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I think too, like you guys obviously have a passion for it, and that comes across in the in the mm. podcast. Like, yep. that natural flow of just talking. Like sometimes being too prepared and stuff is actually bad for the podcast because you just want to. It feels forced. Real it off, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. So, like, that comes across, and you guys have, you know, slightly different personality, and and you know, it's good, and yeah. it makes it vibe really well. So, it's been yeah. good. See, I've only recently listened to you guys because I was, I've been, I always look for card content, right? I've, House of Jordans used to be like a go-to Wax Museum podcast is yeah, like the number one for me when you cards. So, yeah. The talking cardboard guys, yeah, that died off somewhere along the line for me, and I was like, oh, that's that's a shame because, like, I like going to Aussie because that's the closest we can get to New Zealand yeah. as a as a point yeah. of perspective. We're just so. about cousins, really, aren't we? Just about, like, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. The cousin yeah. bros across the across <laughs> the Dutch, and uh, that's it. <laughs> so yes, and then um, when I saw you guys on Twitter, I was like, sweet, finally, like something close that I can listen to and yeah. similar comparison to to the market yeah. and hobby here. So. Yeah, in general, how is the Aussie NBA card scene? Like, I know it's big because basketball is big mm. in Aussie and it's getting bigger and bigger here too. So, yeah, just what's it like at the moment? And um, since COVID especially too, what's just a general rundown on how things are yeah. in the scene over there? Well, I guess I guess COVID, COVID impacted the world market. Mm. Um, we saw the spike that COVID created. But post-COVID, everything sort of started and come back to a bit of normality. Russ and I went, like, caught up and went into the city a few weeks back. And it was just nice to go into a card store. So yeah, um, that's something I've missed in the hobby. There's a lot of online activity, but but I guess the, the hobby hangout is the, the events that have been happening around the country, uh, the bigger conventions for us. Nice. Um, but, yeah, like, just 
getting back into card stores and going to visit shops, meeting up with people and trading face-to-face, uh, that's something we've missed. I think there's a little bit more of it. Um, we've got a show that's going to be here in Melbourne in a few weeks. So that's, I hope it's going to be a nice big one because it's just good to see all the collectors in one room and yeah, you get to see a lot of cool stuff. Even if you're not sort of running around trying to get grab a bargain, it's just seeing what yeah. people have got on display. I, I go to a lot of stalls that I'm not looking to buy. I just want to see what Kobe's people have got. Yeah. Um, and then people are like, oh, here's this. How much are you looking to spend? I'm like, I'm, I'm not looking to spend. <laughs> Oh, but I've got this for $25,000. I'm like, I'm good. I'm, I'm right. <laughs> I think I picked up that LeBron tribute dunk card because I wanted one. That was the only card yeah, I bought at the last the time we hang out. Yeah. Yeah. But just getting out there. Melbourne, I think you guys were locked down for so long. Like just the world's most locked down yeah. city. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, good to, good to hear that you're back out on the um... But we have a lot <laughs> of that, a lot of activity on the, um, on the Facebook groups. Uh, definitely like the, the market is, um, still very active. A lot of people jumping in breaks, um, people talking online, buying, selling, um, and more of that face-to-face stuff is happening. So uh, I, I think the, the, the hobby's very strong, very healthy at the moment. Come on, Russell, give us your perspective. So I'm looking back at this with very rose colored glasses and also I'm summarizing a lot. So if there's anything that you think I'm, misrepresenting just pull me up lads it's totally fine so uh if we, can, button somewhere. if we can start at 1718 <laughs> my recollection was this that i could go on to david adams and get delivered to my house um optic fast break for 90 australian dollars okay. so i that didn't right. really need break breaks and breakers i could in my mind i could do that once or once a week or once a fortnight and that was okay do you know what i mean yeah yeah then uh, 1819, Don Russ Hobby delivered to my house, albeit it was a case. It was 220 Aussie dollars about a box. And uh, my recollection was at the time, I couldn't even sell them for cost price. I had people like lowballing me on Marketplace to get them. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then I did a break on eBay and mm-hmm. half the spots didn't sell out. So that was my recollection of that. Um, and then... I was then brought into a Facebook group after that. The guy who ran the page, he saw the break and he invited me to come in. So that was, I'm summarizing a lot of information and I'm also leaving out some key details, but um, that's the, the crux of that. And then my recollection in 1819, we did a box of select hobby total price for about $350. That's how much we broke it for. And we got two Lucas out of it and two of them were numbered. So in terms of a break and like break return, you know, that, that's what it was like, you know, mm. back then. Uh, the year after that was Zion. And I remember that prices had pretty much doubled <clears throat> or tripled since then. And yeah. it was almost like we had a waiting list. So the breaks would fill up. Yeah. And then I had like a next in line group. So if people, you know, for whatever reason, didn't pay or whatever, there was always like guys hanging around. And then after that, that was Lamello rookie year. And that's when the lockdown was. And then it just went absolutely like nuts. Just- crazy yeah, yeah. you know i probably wasn't breaking as much as i should have been during that time because in the first lockdown i think i was enjoying spending time with my family and then we had a very young child juju i think was less than one at that stage or one and a bit so you know I was sort of i was a first time dad so it's a bit more time consuming and then by the time i got down to lockdown three or lockdown four like because we had six lockdowns wow 
just, yeah. I pretty much <laughs> just made the decision, like for my basically for my mental health. I was just like, I'm breaking every day. Like I, I don't care what the kids are doing. I was just like, look, I'm I'm just I'm breaking. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so and then, then by that stage, we had a second child too. And look, you know, I love my kids, don't get me wrong, but you know, we'd been locked up for a very long time by this team. It was like that was probably the best thing I could do with my wife at that point, you know? So I think there was that part yeah. of it. Yeah. But I'd probably also say too, like from a um, return on investment point, I think people sort of got the wind that like the money you're putting into these breaks and the cards that were coming out of it, like it didn't add up. So there was a definite <laughs> slowdown with that. And I'd probably also say too, like the box prices came down, like sealed was sort of at the point where, in 1819, you could buy it, and no matter what price you bought it for, by the time you landed it back home, you're mm. going to make 20, up, yeah. 20 to 25%, right? But the following year, it was the opposite. Like, I was losing money on boxes before it even landed yeah. back into my hands. So mm. that was probably my perspective on that. And from a breaker, I was kind of like, well, I never lived break to break anyway. I was always putting my money away. So, you know, yes, I wasn't like doing cartwheels or the situation, but I also wasn't like jumping off the, you know, the 26th floor because I've yeah. just shot all my money down the, like the shitter. But I was also kind of like, look, if this is going to keep going like this, it's not sustainable. I'm probably going to jump out at some point. But I definitely felt the pressure come off. And we were, again, we we're talking a little bit about this, like, you know, on and off air um, about breakers and their sort of, how they engage with the hobby. Like if they're gouging and just out to get money, I think a lot of those breakers have gone and they've, mm, and they've gone away. Yeah. And then a lot of the breakers that were, you know, building up communities and doing things a little bit differently and, you know, having good rapport with their customers and keeping prices right. If you want yeah, to use that word, fair, or I guess another yeah. word is fair. You could also use that. You know, I think those breakers have stayed. And I, yeah. to be honest, I think this year they've done really, really well because mm. I, I think that box prices have been, it's still it's still very high. Don't get me wrong, but for example, Origins was excellently priced. I think Prism Hobby this year. I probably think it's going to come down a little bit more, but even after release date, it wasn't outrageous. Yeah. And in terms of you know fill times, um, this year I've been filling breaks a lot quicker than the last you know twelve to sort of fourteen months. So from you know from my end, I think the hobby's in a really good spot at the moment. I, I think. Yeah. Prices have stabilized. I think the people who are in it are probably they understand the hobby a little bit more. I think they're sort of yeah, you know, twelve months more experienced and can probably pick their spots a little bit more. And then from my personal point of view, in terms of like me building my own PC and, and buying and selling, I think buying is is really where it's at at the moment. I think there's yeah. a lot of really good value to be had, yeah. particularly with singles. And then yeah. in in auctions, I think you can do really well too. So. I was just talking about PWCC before, and I think maybe the reason why that does pretty well is because it's not as easy to log into as, say, eBay to get into. And I was mm. about to make the joke about the the premier auction. So I think the minimum you need for that is about 200K to get into it. And unfortunately, Ooh. my my credit <laughs> card doesn't allow for such things. But, um, you know, the, the weekly stuff, I think, mm. and we can talk about this a little bit more if you want to about, grading companies and also picking up fakes because that's kind of my current obsession at the moment is that but yeah my my personal feeling at the moment is it's a good time to buy to, to, yeah to some i agree I, yeah. I think it's a buyer's market we've also gone because it's an interesting time that you you mentioned because i took the beginning of covid spike that 1920 releases i i was out for a little bit i was like you know what i'm gonna take a break from cards i've 
think I'm, I'm buying way too much. I need to slow down. I think after 18, 19, I, um, the last thing I bought was a few boxes of Prism, the first Prism retail release. And it was, I think it was 18, 19. So I had a couple of Lucas. Luca, yeah. 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 But I was getting those uh, for seventy or eighty dollars a box. Like it, it was bugger all. Like I, I think no, it was no sixty dollars a box. I bought five boxes for three hundred bucks. But uh, you need to tell them too that you own like a hobby store. So that's I, like... I, I got I got them at a at, at at wholesale price with a slight with a with with employee discount. So rather than <laughs> the actual... it's a slightly artificial price. <laughs> <laughs> But no, well, the retail. Don't let the, the truth get in the way. People, we people were that. selling them for on on at that time. They were selling them for 80, 90 bucks. Yeah, that's how much a box was because you could buy heaps of it because mm. the distributor wasn't out of stock completely all the time, and there was no wait list. I disappeared for eighteen months from the hobby. All of a sudden, instead, of, and the thing with breakers, I don't know if you noticed this, Russ, because of the timing. But when I was buying in fifteen, sixteen, and sixteen, seventeen. The amount of money I would pay for a case break is what I was now paying for a box break. Yeah. I was actually, it was like, oh, I'm going to spend 120 bucks on a spot because it's a case break. Mm. But it was all, it was like, we're going to, it's a case of select, a case of prism, a case of that doesn't happen anymore. Man, I would have 10 spots at that price. Do you know what I mean? Delicious. (laughs) You know what I mean? But like the, the amount that you would pay for an NT box break I was paying for an NT case break. Yeah. I think and, like and um, I, I I didn't believe the prices when I came back. Do you guys how did how big an impact do you think Jar and Zion made before that launch, even like to make the hobby bigger from COVID and the lockdown? But that jump from Jar and Zion, that hype around that draft class, yeah, started that push. A eh, I think before well, people that, started putting boxes away, didn't they? Yeah. And that's people were buying boxes to invest because Zion was the next LeBron, right? Yeah. He I built mean, like a tank. Yeah. We'd seen like four years of high school footage and him dunking in gyms and stuff. Just destroying people. But it now we've seen a bunch a of off season footage of him well. doing it. Yeah. I, mean, I was like, going to yeah. say, Paris, I agree with that, man. It came Actually, off the Luca year and they, did, they just used it as a springboard because, I mean, you could. You yeah. couldn't go onto NBA.com mm. or ESPN and there wasn't some fucking article about Zion Williamson being God coming to earth and all that sort of stuff. They they were banking on, you know, because it'd been until he hurt his foot. <laughs> yeah, with, you know, um, Bird and uh, Magic to Jordan, yeah. Jordan to Kobe, Kobe and Bron at the same time. But there wasn't that next guy after Bron. And they were really, the league was looking for that sort of next person. Yeah, and they kind of try every year to 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 springboard someone into just low key. It was Steph, by the way, and they definitely wanted him to be, you know, and turned out to be special. It is, yeah, 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 that guy is definitely. But I mean, you know, but even with Curry, I mean, there's he's you know an amazing player, but I think the hot there's large parts of the hobby that still just don't give a shit about him. He's um, it's it's a low key. But Steph is the most impactful player of that of this generation, as yeah, far as say, I think I'd we say. had the discussion a while back. But I I, I took it from the youth the, the youth perspective. So hmm. I used to part of my history, and I didn't mention it earlier, is I used to like had a little stand at the local basketball stadium, and I would just sell cards, flip cards, and it was just base cards for kids 
because I wanted that kid, like the young kids, the kids that are eight years old to 15 years old to have that same experience that I did as a child mm. and opening packs or, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. getting their favorite player and the amount of the sheer amount of young children that a, their parents were complaining about the fact that the kid is eight years old and keeps trying to jack up threes. <laughs> <laughs> and they all, it's what, what player do you want? Steph Curry, Steph Curry. It's gone to everyone. I'm like, can I just have as many hoops based Steph Curry's as I can get my hands on? Cause I want to give them out to these kids. Cause that's the only player they want. And it was just, it's profound the, the impact he's had. But it's you're right. He's not that showy player. Mm. He's not that standout superstar. He's just this low kid, low key kid that loves no playing edge. the game. I mean, that's sort of the thing. He's he's it's that big a good smile, guy, nice, yep. reliable. Yeah, you know, he's kind of the 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 player you'd want your kids to follow. But from yep. a mature hobby sort of thing, it's just there's no there's no X factor. Yeah. I think no. with him. There's no killer instinct in him. There's no, yeah. But there's nothing that makes me go, care. You know, it's like, well, whatever. He's not. He's like, he's not like, because Kobe, when he took over from Jordan, it was that killer instinct, right? Yeah. Mm. And LeBron's been criticized about it, not having that kill. He's got the game, but he doesn't have the killer instinct. Mm. Like Jordan would go out and, and destroy you. Kobe would come out and destroy you. LeBron would come out and beat you. Yeah. Mm. So like, just trying to tie that into hobby value. So Paris, do you think that if he had more of an edge, his rookie stuff would go for higher? Because I just don't know how much of a. If I mean, I'm recalling, didn't some of his stuff recently sell for over a mil? Yeah, he. I, I guess it's. I don't know. It's tough because he does get good prices. There's, you know, I think he's got a solid fan base, mm. but he hasn't been a unifier as much. I don't know. I, yeah, I know. I, 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 I yeah, I take your meaning. Because it's, it's like, you think Jordan, Kobe, Braun, it's a bit of a question mark. They've had a lot of people that they've wanted that next year. Giannis, they've tried beat. to make, yeah. Tried to make Giannis. You know, they it'd be probably really great for them if it was Luca, you yeah. know, and then they really wanted Zion, and that's could Up still be air. a thing. It's Who teetering knows? at the moment. Yeah, I, I don't know. Well, it's just all those players have kind of had something else going on you know and they've all been pushed really really hard by the league yeah as well you know when you think about you know jordan and kobe specifically they were mm. like immortalized you yeah. know and i think yeah. that went a long way to influencing the, the fan base as well yeah yeah i was gonna say um steph's pathway to to greatness was a lot different too you know like drafted seventh you know had injuries small school yeah yeah, yeah. davison yeah. and he wasn't a superstar until yeah six years into his it, career yeah he's, yeah he's literally this humble hero yeah yes and the, and yeah. also in the card scene too like that time mm -hmm. when panini yep. took over is when he got drafted so yeah you know, the demise of upper deck and tops and, and basketball was you know, to a lot of people's dismay. Like it's a dark back, age for cards. Yeah, I totally missed it. But just going back and listening to, to guys that have been around in Paris, you could probably speak on that a bit too. Um, well, their rookie cards and stuff are not in proper uniform. And, you know, it was a strange time, I suppose. Well, they, you know, I guess a lot of those players like Kobe and Braun, and they had a lot of really iconic cards too. And, you know, I think they had that 
you know the sort of upper deck all that all that sort of stuff as well and everyone romanticizes that a lot more now from a yep. hobby perspective um you know and i think what, what you've seen in regards to stuff that people find really um iconic with panini is very limited you know there's a there's like people love kabooms all that sort of stuff i'm like mm, prism i mean they're just refractors and umpteen variations right so but you are seeing people that like 12 13 gold prisms you know yeah. as like a, a, a an iconic set out of panini and the probably the, the sneakers and kabooms probably yeah you know the sort of standout ones where you can pick a plethora of standout sets from the part before it so i think there is a bit of romanticizing from maybe the the older collectors that are sort of looking, say, do you think the next back. generation will feel differently about that if they can get in yeah <laughs> that that's and that's kind of the thing it's like most yeah. of those cards will be unattainable for a lot of people right because that mm -hmm. happened in that boom crazy time as well so yeah. i don't know i mean i've, I've long thought like you know when i got into collecting and we'd go down to like the local card stores and basically the parents would drop us off there pretty much all freaking day and we'd just watch games on tape bust yeah. a few packs talk shit you know play playstation one or whatever the hell it would have been back then and Master you know system. we we just hung out and, <laughs> yeah probably nba like, live 95 64 we just you know, wait <laughs> half an hour to boot up a game and give it a note yeah it was like that I, I that's the part of the hobby that i sort of miss the most yeah. and i think we talked about that a little bit before and it was we've sort of seen some of the groups here trying to do a little bit more the in-person side yeah. of things which, yeah. which, which is good because i think that's what you know just just feeling like you're you're in a community yeah connected as opposed to yeah the, the groups are all good and you know i think there's they play a role but you you know the the, the love of it comes from talking about it and meeting social, people and meeting other collectors and yeah you know yeah for sure so and to your point the hobby hangout just started for the first time last year and the person who organized it is actually i'm going to be wrong about this but he's an events organizer and he's done a lot of other like major events okay and i would say the reason why it's been so successful is people like basketball cards but just to what you exactly just said then like it's the experience is much much better in person and i yeah I can't say to you just how well they've been received. Like I think everyone's yeah. sold out so far. So yeah. 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 It's, it, it's a really good, the social aspect is such a, a unique thing in this hobby, I guess, like not unique is in seeing people in a room, but it is, it's unusual to be able to get so many people. Like we had, we just, we, we saw what happened. The national was this past weekend. Like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, that's somewhere I would love to go. Mm. Like to see all those collectors in that one room. That have you guys been to that, a national overseas? No, um, no, but we've got um like Mike's there at the moment. I think the Jesh is there. I think there's like all the cherry guys are there. So I mean yeah. it's good to see at least some people from this part of the world making the yeah. trip over, which yeah. is kind of cool. Yeah. Sorry, Ed, I interrupted. No, that's all right. Like but it's that convention feel. That's what the mm. hobby hangout is to us. And, I'd be scared I'd spend too much money. I think. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's true. But even like we're trying to organize with one of our sponsors to, to, to do like a trade day at the store, like just to get people into the same space. But to be fair, know, I'd, I've done nothing about this. Just, oh. just to put the word out there. It's nothing to do with them not doing anything. It's, it's us done not nothing. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll organize a date and <laughs> Man say, in the mirror stuff. we're going yeah. down. 
Um, but, uh, like I've got a, another friend that um, that used mm-hmm. to organize, like he had a break, he's got a breaking group and he every now and then just organizes a day. And what we, what we do, we all meet up down at the local high school and we play basketball, have a barbecue, and then we do some breaks and trades. Cool. Yes. And it used to yeah. get 30, 40 people. It was great. And obviously with COVID and thing became difficult, but it was such a memorable day. You just rock up and there'd just be pickup games of basketball. Like two people would jump out, go on their tire. Two people would just jump in. Who's on whose team? Don't care. Let's just shoot who. Nice. And then sit down, have a couple of drinks, have a, have a barbecue, order some pizza, whatever. And then mm. we go, all right, get your cards out. Let's go. And it's nice. just a group of guys that you'd never meet in any other circumstance. It's not their it's realness. Not one of the first around. things you say when you meet someone either, eh? Yeah. Collect cards? Just by chance, do you, do you collect, collect cards? basketball cards? <laughs> yep. <laughs> or even Magic the Gathering? Oh, that's <laughs> like, it. Yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Well, po- Pokemon these days. That's where that's where the, the wave started, isn't it? Pokemon yeah. cards being bought out everywhere. Yeah, big Nicholas, get one of those. <laughs> Logan Paul style. <laughs> Logan Paul. Oh, G.I. Joe cards. Come on. Get on it. Hey, I saw um, just on a real tangent there, some guy <laughs> opened a box of Austin Powers. The Austin Powers prison box. Yeah. <laughs> I know, like, that was quite heartbreaking. Oh, man, poor oh. dude. Eh? They should have doubled down and put G.I. Joe into that box, I think. Like, yeah. why? Yeah. You look fucking devoed, eh? That would actually be quite upsetting yeah. to you me. You save fair. your money up, you buy a box of yeah. Yeah, buy a box of Prism. What were you? It was like 2013 or something. Yeah, so yeah. original, yeah, Prism. That's oh, why wow. He'd been trying to fill it for yeah. like three months because it was quite, quite expensive. And then got it. Yeah. Opens the box. Yeah. Yeah. Austin Powers, unless you got what a... Yeah, baby. Beyonce 101 <laughs> in there or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, hope Jay-Z buys oh. it for like a million. Yeah. Far out. No, it's... um. I guess that's the darker side of the hobby. Yeah. Well, yeah the, once, um, once it became a revenue generator, you know, at those levels, it started getting a little bit um, opportunistic. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk so, some grading grading companies and we can yeah. talk about that stuff too because, Russell, you wanted to bring that up uh, with fakes and things like that. And Paris, I mm. think, with uh, that new company too, which Mike was mm. talking about, grading companies. Yeah, well, also new... PSA Grading Star again. I mean, there's a whole bunch of quite interesting stuff that's popping off at the Mm. The yeah. July numbers are out and PSA did over a million cards. Crank it. Yeah, so Russell, yeah, mm. grading companies in, in particular. Mm. Like, and you guys had a new uh, Provenance, was it? Provenance, yes. Yep. New Aussie one. And there was, there was another one, Renmark, were grading. They were Aussie company. I've never heard of Renmark, actually. Oh. Is that Maybe that's a watch company that the... Um, oh, I'm not going to even start. Yeah. Oh, is that too soon? Too soon, uh. Oh, no? Okay. So, well, anyway, so, yeah. What is, what's your, on your mind about grading? Yeah, so where anyway? I'm sitting at the moment is... Who we're trashing? No, I'm definitely yeah. not trashing. I, I'm more just... This, I'm more this, we're not the card porn podcast. With... <laughs> you sure? So, look, this is where I'm sitting with grading. I think the last couple of years, I've never seriously considered grading just for the fact that what... PSA was charging up to $500 for a card, right? Mm-hmm. So, it's crazy, if you yeah. ask me. I thought That's Nat crazy. was going to do good things, to be honest, when he when he bought the Collector's Universe thingy. Look, but, um, I, yeah. to, to be honest, I get why they did what they did. I think they had to put the brakes on it somehow. And actually, 
in some ways what they did was genius because then every high-end card was graded by PSA. So if something was being mm. resold, it was in a PSA slab. Like in terms of marketing and, you know, charging a premium for what they did, like it's, it is very clever. But for the regular collector, it's terrible because... They stopped the inflation. I mean, that that's what it was essentially, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think as a consequence of that, then it pushed a lot of business out to other grading companies. And then as a consequence of that, other people have seen this as a market opportunity to come in. So probably yeah. where my head is currently at, at the moment is, you know, all these other companies sort of popping up like mushrooms and what effect is that going to have onto it? And so when the, we found out about the new company coming to Australia, we reached out to them and they were very generous with their time. And he was very transparent, I think. It yeah. was Providence grading. That was Matt. So, and probably, you know, some of the things that we raised with them was, you know, how are you going to identify fakes and what are you going to do when it comes to identifying fakes and stuff like that? And probably mm. I think it's something they had considered, but I don't particularly feel that the answer we got was um, detailed or I don't particularly think that they had sort of a, a contingency plan or anything like that for it. So probably, yeah. At, that does make me, you know, I suppose concerned is how I'd feel about it. And then, so the next thing I suppose I think about too is, you know, modern fakes, how do you identify modern fakes? Hmm. And then what companies do you think is, is worth grading with at the moment too? Like, do you yeah. just say the only company I want to grade with is PSA and the rest of them are no good? Or do you say, you know, sometimes this company is good for that or, you know, so that's, that's what I'd like to discuss today. And Paris, I'd definitely love to hear. I mean, look, I've got, I've actually only just submitted the first five cards for grading in my life. I bought about 150 in lockdown, but me actually doing it myself. Yeah. Um, and that's going through BGS, mostly because Mike dropped them off at the National. Um, but I mean, why it, did you it, choose BGS over PSA? Price, essentially. So, because he got um, like flat rate, sort of regardless of what the value of the card is. But PSA dropped down the their fee for the nationals you didn't think about jumping on that no well mike's got a really good relationship with the bgs guys so he yeah. mm. he sends quite a lot of cards through them and he's going to take them over and you know he prefers bgs i was like yeah cool i mean it was there were no stodomires in there it was just jordans and kobe's and um so that they're the first ones i've done but i've, I've bought a, i've bought a lot of slabs i mean the thing the thing that kind of disappointed me about a lot of the grading was working with the blowout guys looking at things that have been graded that are serial numbered it it amazed me that there was absolutely no archive or record where they could go oh we've got this lebron number 31 out of 50 from so and so and it's on record as we've graded it three years ago as a psa 8 and then it comes through the system again and and somehow it's psa 10. Is this, is this where where I go on my side tirade of regulate the hobby? Well, I think that no, but uh, well, I possibly because <laughs> what I'm saying is if they're offering a service, yep, right, and you know, a lot of us probably work in service industries and all that sort of stuff. Your reputation is utterly important, and it was absolutely mind boggling to me that these companies could not detect that they've oh shit we've graded this before. And, um, you know, we knocked it down for corners or whatever it was. And now it's got super crisp corners. I mean, I, I was just like, what, yeah, what the hell is even, going on there? How do you do that? The same company. Like yeah. you, you yeah. understand if BGS don't have a database of all the PSA graded cards, right? Hmm. But this is a PSA 8 coming back through the chain. 
and coming serial out number too like serial numbers. yeah yeah, like, yeah like how easy is it for you and like? they've grading swapped out patches and you know i don't know it's i i know just sometimes by the sheer volume of work you know if you extrapolate the work pressures that you have maybe in your own jobs into mm -hmm. other industries sometimes corners get cut and people do crazy things and all that sort of stuff but mm. i mean what that means is if you can you can multiply the amount of money that people pay for that card just by not having good processes because if you're yeah. talking about a, a a a really collectible card that goes from an eight to a ten you're talking about 15 times multipliers depending on the card yeah correct. and someone has to pay the price for that and i think that's where the thing that nat brought in saying look if you can prove Mm. that it's a fake or trimmed or whatever we're gonna we'll ref, we'll refund the cost of the card and you know the sale and all that mm. we're sort of a bit more guarantee guarantee around it because i mean yeah. you know people generally would look at those services as mm. reliable and i think there was just too many things popping up where if we have a bunch of fuck ups on online can figure it out because we're passionate about the hobby and can find old the card originally and the new card and the different grades and all sort of stuff. How can the pinnacle of grading within the same industry not be able to accomplish the same basics that a group of people online can have that are enthusiasts? Correct. You know, yeah. and that was like, well, you know, in, in normal business, those businesses go out of business. They don't mm -hmm. last because the customers leave. But we're the ones sort of going, well, I don't know if you look at these two things. It's the same, but not the same. And you know, there there was a, a lot of that going on. So that put me off grading for a long time. And also because I've, I've got so many cards that I would want to grade that if I started, it would just be exceptionally painful. And, and I don't want them to go overseas. <laughs> they live in my security deposit box downtown, staring into the dark. So did they explain to you why there wasn't a process in place for that? No, well, they, I mean, that, that's when we were having, because um, we were going at the people selling that originally because it was PWCC or whoever, and we'd say, we'd email PWCC directly and go, hey, um, this card, you, this is this is it, and this is it now. And then they would generally, once we got them over the line of this is a bad look, and we'd spam them on Twitter and post it everywhere, and people were starting to complain, that they they would pull the auction down and not sell the card. That doesn't mean the card's out of circulation or anything like that. It just means mm. that they're high, the highly the, visible yeah. consigners, we were saying, well, you guys shouldn't be doing this. You know, and here's the here's the proof, and that's when originally, and it was like you were saying, well, you know, pictures don't necessarily dictate proof. And I was like, well, what what else do you need? Because it's sort um, of hard when like PSA is like the main grading company in in the hobby, because it's like you compare it to like a gas company or something like BP. Like BP, they just poisoned a ton of dolphins by an oil spill, but you know, everyone's, everyone's still going to rock up to fill up a BP mm -hmm. because. That's the place you go to fill your car up. You're not going to. Well, it's convenient. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's the closest one. So, like what a, can I do about it? Yeah, exactly. Like there might be yeah. a neighbor down the road selling some gas out yeah. of his shed. Oh, I've got this new gas company, but <laughs> you're not going to trust them. So, even though they make those fucks and have those bad, yeah, bad parts to their business, it's just so like because their brand is there, they've, they've and, nailed the branding. Yeah. So well, PSA just, is so. It's not just that they're slightly ahead in their market share like looking at the sheer volume of cards that are going through psa at the moment who was second in the month numbers at um cs was third scg was third oh, okay. was it SGC? Oh, okay. what was it? C, 
the black C- the black label ones. CGS. Yeah. The one that do the trading the- cards and the sports cards. They combined for about 130k. Okay. Right. And PSA did a million. Yeah, right here. And B- BGS didn't didn't have their numbers because of population counts or some crap. Mm. But I'm like PSA have got such a huge share of the market. Yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying it's like super prevalent, maybe when you're looking at the numbers across the board. Mm. But what I'm saying is as the the value of some of these cards is so incrementally higher with a mm. higher grade. Like the difference between a nine and a ten and is huge. Sneak it through. Yeah. You know, when others have gone through. Um when you know, when a PSA 10, when a PSA 10 Kobe rookie was selling for eight hundred dollars, it probably wasn't a big deal. Mm. It's still a big deal, right? It's like it's still fraud. Mm. But now a PSA 10, say it's a PSA 10 tops chrome refractor. That's not a thousand dollar card anymore. That's tens of thousands of dollars or into the hundreds. You know what I mean? Mm. Like that's low population, insanely high, high money. Do you think, do you think it's just like a lot of guys want that tradable asset? They don't really care about that other stuff. Like they're not looking at content going, Oh yeah, they, they, Mm. that one's a bit dodgy. Like I just want to, put my money into this card and then flip it and sell it. They just don't care about the, the authenticity and the, it's the integrity. Yeah. They're just like, I want to make some money. Is, is well, there too much of that? Maybe. I don't know. I guess the other well, thing the, is the, not... the more money in it, the more, the, the, the more temptation there is. Right. Mm. Mm. And it's not only PSA. I mean, BGS, we found heaps of stuff on BGS because you could see the yeah. submission groups. Like we, you're able to track the the not necessarily the people, but the cards that were being submitted, and there were certain guys that were submitting and getting an absolutely ridiculous amount proportionally of BGS ten, right? Yeah, that's that's so awkward, and that's unheard of. Sixty cards in, and they might get five tens and three black labels, which is yeah, that's crazy, ridiculous, and the only. The only thing we could find is these cards started surfacing online, right? Yeah. And we could track it back to the same person who was an ex-BGS employee. Right oh, that's shady. So, and then everyone was like, right, get the fucking pitchforks. This guy's going down. <laughs> As everyone, everyone had started, you know, flapping around. And they, they they found so much stuff out about these guys. that They'd managed to track down the people that were doing trimming and submitting, yeah. uh, all kinds of stuff. And to the point where I think that we'd, I think the FBI got involved and they were, because it got into fraud and yeah, it was, it's big money. And, you know, and, and that's the thing, like it's it can cripple some people. I mean, if you, you know, you pay a hundred thousand dollars for some epic card and then all of a sudden the, oh, whoops, um, altered ungraded and it went from a 10 to an ungraded. Well, I'm pretty sure you probably lost 80% of your investment overnight. Yeah. Yeah. Is so, that, is that and, weird? these grading companies need to make policies that they have to refund you if if, if there's evidence of tampering. Well, that, well, that is the current stance though with PSA, and I probably would say that's where they're leading forward in mm-hmm. the most positive way because, and actually I think that also holds them to account that yeah, they do do this dodgy stuff. There's actually, you know, something to come back. But hey, Kyle, just to answer your previous point before about people saying, you know, they don't care. It's also too that, the flipping point from BGS to PSA is probably about double to triple at the moment. So yeah, 
Mm. in terms of, you know, comps and, you know, moving that forward in the market, like, you know, in some ways you're actually better off buying cards, SGC, BGS, sending them to PSA, seeing if you can cross them over and then, you know, reflipping them again. Like that's also mm. like the numbers game plays that out. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I think that BGS 9.5 might come back a PSA 10. Yeah. Then you can double your money. Like it's, there's nothing mm. against people from doing that in the current system. So but that's, but that's genuine. Do you know what I mean? Like you're taking an yeah. actual card and you're submitting it like you're saying, okay, well, BGSA, it's a 9.5. I'm going to send it to PSA oh, and no. hope it's a 10. I'm sorry if I represent it as a nefarious thing. I'm just saying that also is the reason why they're leading the market even in another way because yeah, yeah, the, multiple, the multipliers so yeah, much more. That, that, yep. that mm-hmm. plays to be made. So, yeah. well, I so, think people use BGS as a filter as well. You know, they'll send a whole stack because you can do low submission values on, on mass for no, large numbers of cards, say. Yeah. And you, whatever you get, 9.5, if it's a good enough card, maybe that filters out the list that you would potentially cross over to PSA. Yeah, radio. You know, and you mm. just recoup the difference and probably come out miles on top. You know, so, you do all that process and you're still 60% up if you can cross yeah. X amount into a team. So can we yeah. just hold that thought for two seconds? So the other grading company I wanted to bring up today was DCI grading. So they came into my attention just literally as I was flicking through my Twitter feed. And they basically have come out now and said publicly that the original labels that they produce, they have a, a black label. And if you go on eBay and search for DCI graded cards, it's 90, 95% um, of what you'll find. But they said that those cards were graded, but not authenticated. So as of the nationals, they've wheeled out a new sticker, which is like, uh, for simplicity, I'll just call it a white sticker. And they're now grading and authenticating it. Going through their website, they represent themselves as authenticators and graders. But I think this is what's Mm. really sticking in my head. And this is taking me back a little bit to what Providence is. And also, if we can loop this, you know, full circle back to PSA, um, the the grading costs of what they're charging, that they offer a sliding scale between 15 and 15 and 200 something dollars, you know, I think what people would use that company for is exactly what you were just saying then Paris, you send them in, you get like an initial grade back for 15 bucks and then you would, you yeah. know, flip it off to PSA. But, you know, I suppose again, my concern, and mm. I would also put this concern forward as a lack of knowledge. And I think I rely on the experts to give me this knowledge. You know, I, I couldn't tell you what a fake card would look like, mm. um, how I protect myself. I, and whether this is prejudice or whether this is just being sensible, I don't buy a lot of stuff out of China because particularly raw stuff, you know, I I couldn't actually tell you what a fake card, you know, looks like. Well, so, one of, for example, one of the guys, and I think it was the NBA group here, asked, he was like, I'm looking for star, um, star 86 Jordans. And he's like, that. I want raw card. I want them raw. And straight away, clipped in my mind, man, like, I know this is a heavily faked card. You don't want to... Well, heavily yeah. reprinted by the actual manufacturer as well. They, yes, they yeah. reprinted them like two or three years afterwards as well. So they were, they're not fake. They were, there was like two print runs because the guy was, that owned the company was trying to cash in. Yeah. And yeah. it was... So what, what determines one that was printed three years earlier when they're from exactly the same printing, the same. printing mm. presses from the same manufacturer? Yeah. Same card stock. Just yeah. three years apart. How would you even oh. know? So that comes back to me. Authenticity is the mm. number one. Th- well, definitely for me, I think it should be the number one thing. Yeah. Like yeah. If that DCI company did not state that 
they're not if they state that they're authenticators then then didn't authenticate cars that's to me yeah what did they claim they were in the beginning a a grader Uh, no i couldn't tell you what their website said a couple of years ago honestly and i to be honest these guys haven't even been in my radar for you know very long at all but it's again it's operation for very long it's no it's just very i think for me it's just very topical and it's just you know it's another example of you know these sort of companies popping up and then what is the impact for the collector? And I suppose that's what I'm, you know, really thinking about too, because I think particularly for me, if I'm buying high end, I actually prefer to buy it graded because it gives me that peace of mind. Even if I'm buying PSA 8 or a BGS 8 or 8.5, like that matters to me probably less than buying something raw that could be fake, if that makes sense. So yeah. 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 I don't really. At least you can always sell it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. As a collector, I don't like. I don't really care. If, like, if I'm getting a PSA nine, like five times cheap or whatever, eight yeah. times cheaper than a ten, I'm going <laughs> to yeah, buy yeah. a nine. I, I feel really good about collection. that too, man. Yeah. I'm not going to lie yeah. to you. It's a good feeling, isn't it? Getting it like super cheap for a ten. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Always buy yeah. the card. Not yeah, buy the card. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sometimes I'm not great. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> hey, if it's a good deal, you know, yeah. go for it. Oh, well, we 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 talked about value. We've talked about values and. Price points. People, different people have different like buying points that they can invest in. Mm. Like we have people like write in and say, <laughs> "What's your best advice for buying a LeBron?" I was like, "Well, how much money have you got? Yeah. If you could, if you can afford a, a PSA ten, go for the tops or the tops Chrome. Mm. If your budget is a little less than that, then look at PSA eight, BGS nine point five. Like it really depends what what money you're prepared to spend. And mm. yeah." It's 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 interesting. I think that's another beautiful thing about the hobby, though. You know what I mean? Like there are price points for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Like I I love still collecting base sets, and that's my old yep. school as a kid. I I'm a set collector, but I also PC guys, and you know, I've, yeah, my I like collecting all sorts of stuff. You know, inserts, yeah, base sets. To, Bruce Brown's my main PC, so. <laughs> Well, I think that's kind of the thing. Like when you're collecting players like that, and you know, even same with um, Stoddenbuyer. I mean, it's not high on the list for faking. The yeah. the only ones that have kind of turned up are super iconic versions. Your guys in the set, or, yeah, PMGs, and but I mean, some of them are pretty tough, tough to fake anyway. Um, like I don't yeah. know how you'd fake a grand finale these days, you know, like an SPX or something. Or other. So I don't know. It's the play is kind of low risk, I think, for both of us, Cal. But when you get into high-end Kobe yeah. and Jordans and LeBrons, or, you know, yeah. anything along those sort of lines, it's yeah. like you probably yeah mm, goes up a little bit. And do some research. Like if you got if you're gonna drop twenty grand into a card, like I'm sure as hell researching the shit out of that card, man. Because. <laughs> Not just jumping on eBay and clicking yeah. yeah, buy it now. Why not? I'm doing yeah. forty thousand dollars of research on that card. Yeah, like I'm doing that for twenty dollar cards. You know, like yeah. it's... it's like <laughs> let me just consult the history. Hold on. Yeah, but, you know, well, everyone like... wants wants a deal, right? You want to feel like your money's spent well at the end of the day and safely. Yes, correct. Yeah, but just to be devil's advocate on this, Carl, and I I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I probably also say too. Um, if you do buy a graded card, you are somewhat expecting that it is, you know, authentic yeah. and graded properly. So 
Yeah. And, sure. I so, <laughs> and I suppose, again, this like almost takes us back full circle. Like we need to make sure that these grading companies are doing the right thing or that, you know, they're grading what they, they know or, or they don't do it. Or, you know, at what point do you just say PSA is the only company that you should purchase graded cards from? Because so use the $20,000 example you just did. Yeah. Again, I think PSA is probably the company I would spend that money with because at least I know there's that sort of buyback guarantee. And yeah, I don't believe that BGS has come to the party with that. SGC definitely don't do it. No way DCI is doing it. And, you know, Providence that we were talking to a couple of weeks ago, I I couldn't imagine they've got the buy-in for that type of stuff either, you know. So I think if you're a well-established company, like especially SGC and, and BGS, those two companies should be doing it. This to me, that's to for someone to, to have faith to invest twenty thousand dollars, yeah, you know, in that you have to as a company of that size and reputation, that should be part of your just your standard policy. Like, well, it might come into that know? regulation thing, I think, that we were sort of talking about briefly before, and that you know should there not be a unified reference database of graded yep. cards that everyone can plug into? So if PSA gets something and they look in and go, oh, BGS um, graded it five years ago, got a BGS 8, and it was uh, got 7 for the corners, and this card that rolls up is exactly the same card with sharp corners, surely they could yep. go, something's up right correct and that's that's you know high res photos of the, the card you know they easily accessible they can overlay the card and go yep we can easily see where the exactly what we were doing online you can see the mm. corners were trimmed because a lot of the cards would have patterning and stuff on on the side and it might be the corner of a circle or something and then the new version's got a much smaller version of that <laughs> circle yeah because someone's just yes. gone zoop, up the side yeah so i mean it's like it, it is kind of like a well, maybe not regulation, but it's just like they could, you would almost expect them to come together for the good of the hobby to say, let's give some surety around Tran our Transparency service. with regards to, yeah. yeah. You know, we, we have a unified database historically mm. and we query that with every new card that comes in to see if it's been graded before. And that's yep. part of the sanity check that we do as a service that we provide for you guys that we're giving you a legit grade. Mm. I think most people go, well, shouldn't this have been a thing anyway but thank you yeah you know <laughs> I, I guess on the on the on the other side of the scale is and the questions start to to come to come through and this probably why russell and i ask similar questions to providence uh but all these new graders the the main question is is how do you how do you what is your process mm. why would we grade with you and not a bgs or a or, or a, like it doesn't have to be PSA, but why wouldn't I gra grade with one of the top five? Why would I grade with you, new startup? Like, are these new grading companies that are coming out of the woodwork required? Is there space in the market for them? Mm, yeah, it's a good question. Hey, lads, well, they, you... they compete on price, though. I mean, I think, right? They're generally, but, that's what they do, but they lose in the resale the, value. The resale, but, it, and that, but that's the thing. Like, mm. yeah, I can get my cards graded for 20 bucks, but... I'll get 10% of the value of it because it's not PSA. So um, I, I wonder in yeah. the next 12 months, that equation is going to flip around though, because like just recently there was 35 Australian dollars. You could send your cards in and that's postage to America and back and PSA graded. Jesus. Yeah. So I, I think there's been a lot of money put into PSA and they're clearly 
increase their throughput. They've done a million cards this month. So if you assume at the bottom that they continue to do a million cards a month, I think it's pretty fair to say that they'll, you know, they'll get through the backlog and they'll even like be able to increase that and then open up reduced grading prices again. And then if you're an optimist, you might say, well, actually they might get to 1.2 million graded cards a month. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it's not outrageous to think that. Yeah. Yeah, but true. They're just going to bottom out the pricing of the thing, though. I mean, that, that that will be a natural progression as the population of everything graded expands. Everything will sort of mm. normalize. And they've done so many tens. I mean, that's that's one thing that separates BGS and PSA. The BGS 10 and the BGS 10 black label. Black label in particular. Are yep. actually rare. Yeah. PSA 10s per se across whoever whatever yep. card yeah uh you can buy them for half the cost of grading or less you can buy a psa 10 whoever the fuck for five dollars right you're probably you're probably less likely to find a psa 10 whoever the fuck versus a lot as or a luca well yeah potentially but <laughs> population I mean, of twenty thousand of of a of, like at what point is a psa 10 well there's more rare tens, anymore there's more tens ions than nine eight seven six all combined yeah so I mean, that tells you something. Tells tells you the state of the market. Panini's doing a good job. Or <laughs> well, Panini <laughs> quality control got it right. <laughs> Maybe not. Or, or the cards yeah, are positively yeah. selected to be sent in. Like, I would say most people, if they've got like a very badly east-west cut card, they wouldn't send that in, yeah. right? Mm. True, true. You know. Yeah. So what but are you what, saying? But what I'm saying is the, the yeah. proliferation of tens across the board. It's like if I'm looking for things and I see a BGS black label. It'll that'll be rare. If I'm Damn looking for stuff, they are insanely rare, definitely. And it's yeah. a PSA 10. I mean, I've got I don't know how many saved searches you guys have on eBay, but I got shit tons. And the PSA 10 list of closing soon's under a hundred bucks or under fifty bucks is ridiculous. Mm. You could sit there all day buying nonstop. You might not have you might not see one for a week of you know in an auction on of a BGS black label. So I think that's yeah. that's one thing that BGS does. They yeah. still have a true rear grade, you know, and it might yeah. be the economies of scale that PSA 10 and, you know, there's more being graded, so there's more 10s around, but there's also way more 10s being transacted as well. Yep. So, yep. you know, I, I, I think in, in general business, you know, it's supply and demand. And if the supply of eights and nines and 10s goes up and up and up and up and up, if, if it's not matched by the demand to buy them, everything comes down. And I think that's what's going to probably happen with PSA over time because the amount of people that graded stuff over the last two seasons for NBA that is going to turn into basic trash is massive. And, and a massive proportion of that will be PSA 10s. Yeah. I mean, how many people are queuing up for um, Bowl Bowls or Taco Falls or... Cam Reddish or Roger Huerta or um, Kevin Huerta or whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people, yeah, yeah. You know, because everyone thought everyone's a winner. You can't lose, you know, except yeah. if you everybody wins. Ions, oh, wait. And then 18 months later, they come back and he's been injured for a year and a half. So I think I used to really struggle with that thought too. But I think at the end of the day, the market likes PSA 10s and they do sell really well. And then to your point about the black label, that I couldn't agree with you more on that. But again, the market has also spoken in that sense in that, so let's just say they, BGS is saying, oh, we don't have our numbers, but I think to be generous to yeah. them, they've probably done 100,000 cards in the last month. 
And that's being generous, right? So, you know, what does that mean moving forward? Are people going to want like and desire those black labels? Like, even though I agree with you, what you're saying, yes, they're like very rare cards. So the example I use for this for me is like Select. I personally think that Select is 10 times a better product than Prism. And for a while, I was buying up all these Select, like thinking, ha, you guys are suckers. Eventually, the market's going to change. You guys are going to catch up, and I'm going to be like ahead. But That's what the sport card investor guy did too, I think. He was going he like, went deep on Select and then gutted it. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't go that <laughs> deep. But, like, you know, I'd be buying up stuff in preferential to Select and Prism. And that's just mm. how I felt. I was like, you know, I like the product. It was yeah, it's better value. looking release. Yeah, right? But yeah. that's not yeah, how... Yeah, great. Yeah. That's not how life is, you know, that's not how it played out. And it's just the mm. fact is people love Prism. It's, that's what they get, you know, up for. So yeah. I think sometimes sure. just despite, you know, if you have a sensible thought or you have a rational thought, unfortunately, it's just a little bit how the world is. And then if I can just take us just one step back, you're talking about creating a, um, a, a centralized database for that. So my understanding is with PSA, they actually don't catalog that information for each grade. So the good example about that is forensic. So forensic will actually give you the grading sheets of your cards when it comes back. Oh, and man. that was like their whole sort of like marketing and you know, selling USP. scheme. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's but the, that's the value. again, at the end of the day, does anyone care about that? I, I don't think anyone, you know, really cares. And mm. to, to your point before about what you were saying about how on earth can they even have their own cataloging system and these cards be going, I, I can't imagine that two companies could get their heads together and they could, you know, manage a database. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've worked in, you know, reasonably sized organizations and I would say most data management is done quite poorly. So can you imagine the absolute cluster F of trying to get two companies to hold hands and like put data into a spreadsheet? Like, honestly, can you imagine that? Nah, yeah, nah, it's well, not going to happen. Well, it can never happen if they don't even have it is the problem. <laughs> and I think that's the thing that they can't even do it within themselves. And that the first step. That would be where I would agree with you. And I would yeah. probably say, you know, let's always keep things simple and maybe achievable. Yeah. And the fact that they don't even have their own database, I, I agree with you. That to me is, that's, that's reckless. That's, yeah. uh, I, have yeah. to, I would also say though, they're investing a lot of money into that company and they've got a lot of money behind it. I, the fact that we're talking mm. about this probably means that they've also discussed it and, you know, be looking at implementing this at some stage. I, well, yeah. I mean, when, when, when Nat bought it, um, I know he had, I mean, he's a smart dude. He's made a lot of money through yeah. mid, mid tech and stuff like that. Right. So yeah. he's not looking to lose in, in that field. So he, I think oh. there's definitely a plan in the background. What, yeah. How much of it is visible at the moment? And this just might oh. be the first part of it, trying to combat the inflation of things to gear up, to be able to do whatever, to roll out whatever the intense sort of future plan or the future look PSA is. Because, I mean, it definitely yeah. wasn't from everything that I've read in all the interviews is to just business as usual and nothing's going to change. Because it was him being frustrated about certain things as well that, I mean, he's got one of the best collections you've ever seen, right? Yeah. And he's, he spent 400 grand on the Jordan Green PMG that was altered. So, I mean, he's he's in it as well from a collection point of view. So, so that, that happened to him? No, no, he bought it altered. He paid 400,000 altered, graded altered. Yeah, well, there's only 10 of them, so you just got to get mm. your hands on what you can. Still one. the proper card, mm. just being yeah. trimmed or, you know, had um, mm. they, they deemed it altered in one way or another. So was it uh, BGS or PSA graded? PSA. <laughs> uh, so so he he's a bit money, take... money where his mouth is, I guess. Yeah. That was before he bought the company. Yeah. But, you know, I think mm. 
he it, the hope was you know because he was kind of one of us for lack of a better term because he had a fucking head way way bigger than the average collector yeah but it, you know the hope was that because he's kind of one of us that he would take all our frustrations and surely they should be doing a b c d whatever and then make those things a reality for us but you know you still got to run a business and you still got to make money and you still got to service your customers and you still got to do all that other bau stuff do you not think they have done some improvements because yeah no i think they have i think it seems to me like yeah they definitely have We we, we do need to remember that, yeah, for us, it's a hobby. And Mm. well, for a lot of people now, it's a business. Yeah. Um, Collectors, it's not just collectors in the space, is what I'm saying. So that is big business. Well, that's because, you know, I mean, I guess some some people are more hypersensitive about it because, Mm. I mean, it's never been a money-making thing for me. Yeah. You know, the only cards that I've ever sold anyone is to another Stoudemire collector here in New Zealand. That's it. Yeah, you know because he, I've got you know multiples of things that are really hard to find, and I like the fact that there's another collector, you know. So I'm happy yeah, to share the love, sharing, right? yeah, sharing the experience. So, but but it's never been a, a, a money thing, and I'm pretty sure it's what it, the hope was for when Nat bought it. Is you know he's got the money. He, it's not going to be yeah. that pressure's not going to be there. It's hopefully be for the love of the hobby. And I think we have seen, you know, some of those changes sort of come into fruition. But it's it's a massive company and it's slow turning ship. Yeah. But I think it's getting to being pointed in a better direction. Yeah. Which is, sure. you know, what for we sure. can sort of want to hope for. It's not an overnight thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, catching up on all the backlog and you know training new graders and stuff would have taken quite a bit for people. I mean, just imagine that. the amount of yeah repetitive shit they grade. I mean, if you just look on like reddit for instance in the basketball cards subreddit people will go you know i just i bought a pack of don russ and i pulled this lamello should i get it graded i'm going to i'm sending it in tomorrow and there's just like that all day every day and that's that's just the people that are on there and it's like (laughs) imagine those those poor bastards that have a stack of things like this and it's like you know if it was last season at least half of them are probably lamello yeah yeah well you know <laughs> but, but that's that's one of, one of the things when we look at graded cards is 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 the pop report is is sometimes a factor mm. and and look at luca zion prism base in excess of 20,000 psa 10s yeah. how many do you know like come home from work it's like oh yep 40 psa 10 zions today like, yeah that was fun I found one on the street <laughs> <laughs> it's like Anything exciting happened? Yeah, one of the Zions came back at nine. So, ooh, that's real. Yeah, that's pretty real. Yeah. I've got, a, I've got a, a PSA PSA six Zion. It's the it's a population report. But, but I guess that's where it gets that's where it gets kind of crazy when more. you when you look at the price differential between nines and tens and the population different nines and tens. Yeah. Yep. You know, and if you're a smart investor, you know it's like something doesn't quite add up there. It doesn't make sense. Well, as as a um, you know, someone experienced with the hobby, but like we were sort of talking about before we started, the amount of new retail money that came into collecting. Mm, yeah, people people were getting COVID checks. They had they couldn't necessarily spend on the things they used to spend on. There was more more fluid money floating around that was not to get spent. And you know, our little hobby was one of the things that benefited from yeah. the attention and, and having that liquidity in the market. 
but I think what you saw and what I was saying before was that all, all that that really was similar to a lot of other things was just a revenue extraction yeah you know it was like things got built up and the people that have been around for a long time and even the breakers knew they would know that this is not sustainable as you were saying Russell about around certain things and it was like well it, it, I was starting to look at it and go well who's going to get left holding the hot potato at the end of it because this just can't keep on going yeah. like this yeah. and then when it finally kind of went there was a lot of people running and liquidating and you know it's not not just our market like I said I collect watches same same thing happening in those sort of disposable yeah. income categories people yeah. were just panicking they thought it was this trajectory was the norm yeah you know and how could you ever lose yeah well i mean it, global globally the economy the world economies are suffering now so mm. and that's going to impact the market as as we see it people um people here anyway have just we've just had four months of straight interest rate um increases by the reserve bank now that adds some people are paying an extra thousand dollars a month on their on their mortgage mm. if anyone like that's where you get those fringe collectors that are like what can i sell to to put to pay my make my mortgage repayment now like you've got people when economic times get tough you've got those fringe people that spent their extra cash on cards and now they're like they've got their wives telling them don't you dare keep that cardboard if that's worth money that goes into the house and and that's why I think when Russell said it was a buyer's market, the 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 way the economies are around the world at the moment is really stimulating that people are trying to sell things and yeah, well, yeah. I mean the way to curb inflation, which is you know what a lot of people or yeah. a lot of countries are seeing, is you either raise taxes or you force spending back into yeah. certain things, um, yeah. you know. And I think it it, it may like being as someone who pays like a lot of attention to stock markets and cryptocurrencies and all that sort of stuff when i'm looking at it and go i it was just a waiting game it's like you know when, mm. when 35 percent of all the money in america got printed in the last two years during covid do people not understand how economics works because this this is going to come nah, they don't yeah. no they're just, <laughs> and be just, a just massive more, problem nah yeah. it's fine just print more money yeah, yeah print more. easy yeah. that's how yeah. we solved it the first time yeah let's just print more <laughs> <laughs> so i mean i i, I mean as a, as a like a stud of my collector i mean I, I buying stuff on ebay was never really too too much of a problem like yeah. there was maybe a handful of guys that would mm. sort of have pissing contests through <clears throat> and when when it got into covid when i noticed some crazy prices for stodomires and like yeah you know beyond i would set the market rate for buying things and you know, prices were coming up that I'd say pay me maybe 200 US for, US for, and they were going for 800 US. And I was like, this, something is very wrong here. Yeah. Because like, who's these people that? were not around yep. last year. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah I, I purposely passed on a lot of that stuff. And I have seen some of those cards pop up again, you know. Mm -hmm. It's just so, stabilizing, eh? Stabilizing the market. That's the what, market, the yeah. market's in a, in a, a, in a state out. of correction. I think. Yeah, yeah price wise, shaking yeah. out the the bad money. Yeah, it's sort of sit, sitting a new floor. Mm. Like we obviously we hit the ceiling and dropping back, but the floor's a bit higher now. You know, like there's yeah, a good and that, and that's like the the base inflation. You know what yeah. I mean? Like where it should have the trajectory it should have followed is where yeah. we're going now. Yeah, not it's this a spike. It's recorrecting. Mm. Yeah, getting back on It's a good thing. Like. Yeah. It had to it had to happen. Right. It was out of control, Carl. I couldn't yeah. agree with you more, mate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was just out of control. Hey, Carl, what do you think about grading companies? Because I 
like, is there any thoughts you have in that space or something you want to see from a grading company or, you know, concerns you have about grading or? I'm not a, I'm not a grader. I, I prefer raw cards myself for my collection. I do have quite a few graders. I just pick them up at a good price. More uh, PSA just, or BGS, mate? Not, I'm actually, like, I find a lot of people are like ride or die for like. It's HGA for local. Yeah, I'm HGA. <laughs> <laughs> a is lot of your people, local company, is it? Now that's, no, that's the um the, the custom labels yeah yeah they do all the colorways yeah, yeah. oh, labels oh, and oh. color matching we yeah. Yeah. do you, do you oh, yeah. like those do you man i think we just stirred yeah, up I, the beast. I, yeah i don't <laughs> what are you reckon about those ross <laughs> um, i'm gonna keep quiet on this because when yeah. i was on with al we actually had tyler on before he left the company and spoke he, to him tyler was actually a really nice bloke yeah so but HGA's labels were funny. So where Not I thought I, where I thought grading was going for a little while when it was you know crazy like 150 dollars plus per card with PSA. What I thought was going to happen was you would send your low end cards to SGC. You would send your medium end cards to say BGS, and then mm. your super delicious stuff you'd send off to PSA. Okay, <clears throat> that's what I thought was going to happen. And then you know c- companies like HGA would definitely have a spot for people who wanted to grade the PC stuff that they weren't particularly trying to flip for a profit, but they wanted to make it look super Pretty. nice on their cabinet or some, you know, something along those mm-hmm. lines. That that's what I thought was going to happen. I, th- I think there's a lot of that. I think that, like especially here in NZ, like a very small market, like a lot right. of guys just like the look of HJ and just oh, yeah. screw it. I mean, it's I, a good price. I'm going to yeah, get some. Yeah, yeah. sure. I bought this purely because it's a colorway. It's a Grant Williams clearly out yeah. of five, and the only reason why I bought it was because of fucking cheap and also because the label looked kind of cool <laughs> that was literally the only yeah. reason why i bought it yeah yeah I, like yeah to me i don't really care like mm. to me it's authenticity because i like picking up a few vintage stuff so i want to yeah you know i want those the old pre you know before 1986 stuff mm. graded i want that stuff graded like especially if it's a well-known player so I, it comes back to authenticity for me and yeah. I'm, I'm not too too fussed um, I don't actually think any of the labels are like have really nailed it, like the look of them. Yeah. Like the BGS slab's a bit heavy. The PSA one looks like a bit like a computer printer. You know? Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah. I like HGA's yeah. tried something different. But the dot matrix you, printer, that's what it reminds me of too, man. Yeah. 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 What you boys brought up at the start, like when we started talking about grading stuff, what's your point of difference to make people want to buy to, yep. to grade with you? So yep. yeah, it's I'm still still sort of waiting for one of these companies to really nail all the different aspects of yeah. why you want a card graded yeah. i do think it? hga have hit hit a um have had a good attempt like the like having custom labels custom labels yeah. something different color match yeah. label yeah. trying to be a point of difference right like mm. sure they've copped their flack um for various other reasons but like all right do something different with the label it's i i think the way someone pimps their collection or their displays is a very personal thing and it's an not an unexplored space but it's an untapped area that i think rather than going oh i want to i want to jump into the hobby and become an authenticator just find a way to pimp people's cards yeah. like like do you know what i mean like just help with display cabinets help with don't do what psa are doing because you're really you're pushing pushing shit up a hill, yeah. Mm. yeah. And and I think that 
if they can find they... a spot in the space, like why How would lucky you... would they have to be to be com- to compete with PSA properly? Oh, you know, yeah. I think if the they were to compete with them properly, PSA would buy them. Mm. Yeah, That's and absorb happens, them yeah. so they increase their capacity. Mm. Yeah, yeah, they just get it. That'd be about it. Would would is that a reason? If if I'm a grading company, if I if Russell and I say, look, we've had fun podcasting, but now we want to grade cards. Good on yeah. <laughs> we think we've got enough experience. Yeah, and, I'm uh, it. I think I'm the in. better example of that is if. <laughs> ESPN buys a show out. That's what that's it. I like it. Be, yeah. Yep. Yeah. But it's oh, like we're true. doing a good job. All of a sudden, yeah, we get bought out by ESPN. Yeah. Would and does that just happen? Do people open using that example? Do people start podcasts in the hope that ESPN picks them up? Yeah. Well, yeah. You know Some what I mean? Like it's like yeah. I know I'm not going to compete with the biggest shows on the market, but if one of them sees that we're doing something good, they'll just absorb us into their lineup. Hey, I've got no um, problem saying this publicly. I'm praying that someone buys my company and, <laughs> and pays me out. So anyone who's into like, you know, medical companies, stuff like that. Yeah, please hit me up. Buy me out. Let's go. Oh, I'm look, ready. I, 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 I keep telling the missus, look, wait, ready ESPN is going to knock on the door. They're coming. <laughs> Bill Simmons is going to ring one day and just say, look, you need to join How the can we buy you? Yeah. <laughs> How much do we have to pay to get you guys on the ringer? Just add a few zeros onto the end. We'll be that's there. It. No trouble. That's yeah. it. No problem. But yeah, like, do, do you go, you know what? We've got a bit of extra cash. Let's start a grading company and hope we're good enough that PSA, like, buyers. Because I don't see the long-term success. Nah, I mean, there's no way in hell I'd be starting one. Uh, yeah, there's just too many now. The market's a bit too saturated. You can already... Do you guys have 7-Elevens over there? Oh, Not our... the brand. Our... Like the, the convenience stores, like one on every corner. What's yeah. your 7-Eleven called? Like, what's uh, the like Foursquare or something like Foursquare, there we go. Yeah. Imagine yeah. every Foursquare, you could just get your cards graded. That's what it feels like these days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Buy a pie and they're like, do you want a graded um, Zion with that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you have any cards you'd like to submit <laughs> while you're waiting for your coffee? Yeah. And you probably get the grade back quicker than the Starbucks coffee. have started their own grading service. Well, there was, there was yeah, talk it. of um, there was talk of this. There is some type of machine uh, grading in in the states. Well, HGA were trialing yeah, AI, AI grading. grading. Yeah. yeah. So that would be a point of difference. So yeah, if you've got yeah. if you've got that technology with that still kind of tech of backing, makes, though. I mean that that's the yeah. that's the tricky part. Like we're well, saying, you know, how can yeah. you well, that's, do that? that that's card condition versus authenticity, mm. which are two, which are separate. I, uh, that's the thing. Like PSA, BGS, SGC, um, CGS, or whatever. Like all of those companies authenticate. They authenticate as well as grade the condition mm. of the card. Yeah, that's the thing. Like a lot of these statements that we're seeing from the smaller ones are like, well, we just graded the card's condition. We didn't authenticate it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I, I think that. What you're talking about then, they're actually proposing that as almost a fingerprint. So when, if you did resubmit that card and it was trimmed, it would actually pick that up. I think that's the whole idea. That's the AI side of it, isn't it? But in terms of picking up what a fake card is, it would just take a picture of it and go, this is the fingerprint of this card. And then if it was Mm -hmm. sent in again, it would still say this, you know what I mean? It would just say it's the second time it's been graded. It wouldn't say that it's it's real or not. So if you submit the same card, it'll know it's the same. (laughs) Like if it's not serial numbered and it's two silver prisms. Like you I don't, can tell it's trimmed by the dimensions, of course. But the, the comparison they that I was reading the best explained it was like a fingerprint. It literally will pick up all the tiny little differences and put it together as a picture, and then create a profile for each card. 
Wow. So, yeah. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. If they could mm. use that technology to catch criminals instead, maybe. <laughs> They'll just start using someone will hack the database and they'll just use all those um, references <laughs> as the print, the printing the print. for all the next run and everything will be all the next lot of fakes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's it. They'll um, be hacked and all of a sudden the fakes will be flowing. Yeah. Going back to what you were just saying, Carl, about you know who would use what. So in Australia, actually, there's two established companies. There's CGA, which has been around for like a really long time, and there's this new one, Platinum. And then we're talking about provenance. I wonder if the market what those people are aiming at is people that wouldn't want to send their cards overseas because okay, I I actually think that's the market they'll be tapping into because there's a lot of people that would just find that whole process, you know, too daunting or yeah, yeah, I can to, understand that. Yeah. to fill out all the forms and then go down to the post office and do the customs form and then, you know, have to worry about insurance and then is it going to get there or not, all that type mm. of stuff. I think that, that would just take okay. all that out of it. And, so, poss- and possibly the other cards that are in the market over there, like for people that co- collect AFL or NRL or whatever it is, if that if that's enough that, you know, they're unlikely to get faked potentially because it's yeah. a smaller, more enclosed market in Australia. Yeah. You know, the, the, the interest in the cards will probably never leave Australia for a whole bunch of it, right? So it's a little bit more of a self-contained yeah. process. It's not Localized susceptible market, to the... Yeah. It doesn't have those market forces where you can you know, um, get incremental way more money by copying. I think CJ has got a very good mm. local reputation. So to go by yeah. what you're saying, then that makes a lot of sense. Is there a, a card grading company like that in New Zealand? It'd be pretty dodgy if there was one. Was one <laughs> I can't remember the letters they're using. God only knows. Um, but um, they they started with um, TCG sort of tradable card game sort of grading yeah. and they were looking at getting into sports sports grading i don't know about the authentication part because i mean you need to know a lot about the history of cards and product and printing and to do yeah. authentication it just would not be worth it to do here it i don't think it'd be small. worth the fallout <laughs> potentially nah. you know and that's yeah if, if the bigger guys can't get it right i doubt someone in new zealand or australia is going to have just somehow yeah just randomly yeah so that's where I think maybe, you know, that example of Australia probably makes a bit, a bit more sense because the local market, if it's strong, you can just service like cricket, AFL. Yeah. AFL you, cards are, are relatively, yeah. yeah. You can go into your local card shop and just, oh, yeah, chuck these in for 20 bucks and get them graded in the be bag next week sort of thing. But, yeah. yeah. Well, that's was, the last I'll be hanging out. Uh, Platinum was doing a deal, the, a convention special. It's 20 bucks a card, flat rate. There you go. Didn't yeah. matter what. Didn't matter the value. Submit your cards. And that, that was just grading? Yeah. Was it, yeah. Um, I don't know if it was authentication as well. I um I didn't try and get any sneak any fakes past, but yeah, <laughs> it'd trying. be interesting to... hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess the thing is that authentication part comes with the guarantee, you know, the the brand, you know, you, yeah. you're putting your um, you know, your reputation's on the line by authenticating, you're legit saying this is the thing. And if it ends up it's not the thing, well that's a pretty mm. damaging thing. Yeah, true. Yeah, so maybe they say, well, hey, it's on you. You know, we'll grade whatever you send us. Mm. So Providence has got nothing on their website, whether they grade or authenticate. So mm. it's a perfect business model. Yeah. I think <laughs> we can start Carl, that up. <laughs> Should I can do that today. <laughs> Carl, I'm all on board with your theory about this. It's just all about authenticity. I'm, I'm with you 100% now, man. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's what it comes down to me at, at the end of the day. Like, yeah, it's either that or you're just all about making money. 
Yeah, well, you see it with the autographs the as well, like the in-person autographs, where they, you know, have obviously a, a division of PSA that are just autograph ninjas. It's the same guy that's on like porn stars, you know, the the, mm. the guy that comes in and looks at all the signed vinyl and movie posters or whatever it is. He's an ex-PSA guy, and they've just got a massive database of authentic, say, letters that say Elvis, for instance, that he had written and signed, and they've got all these snapshots of all his signatures, and they. All they do is check to see that the ink is real pen and not a facsimile print. And so they look at that sort of stuff and then they compare it to known guaranteed authentic examples and they go based on that, yay or nay. So, do I mean, you guys like those autographs or do you just prefer the Panini authentic ones? Yeah, I don't like the on uh, just in-person ones as much. I don't know why. I just don't, even though it should actually be actually be better. And I, I think don't know about if I'm it. cards. I, I like it on stuff like boxing me- memorabilia, gloves, yeah. and all that mm. sort of stuff. That's kind of cool. Or, yep. Yeah. But cards. Mm, yeah, I like the manufactured one. If the, if yeah. they're a rare, well, if if they're like your PC and a, they don't sign really anymore, um, for well, they're not signed to Panini or whatever. Like say like a Ron Harper or a guy like that that maybe doesn't hasn't been in any releases for a long time, and you're a Bulls fan or whatever, and you can get a Harper card signed in person would probably be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it would necessarily be the well of where I would go to autograph anything. I'm too much of a skeptic and I just wouldn't feel comfortable putting my money into that stuff, even if yeah. it was PSA authenticated. I, I can't really explain that for any good reason, mm. but that's just how I sort of feel. It's a personal and, preference, I guess. I yeah. could almost do Stoudemire autographs at the moment. Like I can, I, <laughs> like I get people asking me, hey, do you reckon this autograph's legit? Watch out for CGA submissions in there from New Zealand. Yeah, probably. probably. <laughs> it's like, oh, I've got about 100 of them, so I'll have a look. I'll compare it to these ones. Like, I saw something the other day. It was a photo from the National of a card, like um, like a tri-auto upper deck old one that had Kobe Bryant on. And it was one of the first times I'd seen Kobe sign Kobe Bryant, you know, like mm. first and full last name. And I was like, geez, that's pretty cool. I haven't actually even seen one of those before because it went Kobe and then kind of like eight at the end of it and then he started doing 24 23 sometimes 24 or whatever it was but having like kobe and bryant on it i was like wow okay but it's on an upper deck within okay but the cynic in me goes hmm i haven't is seen that, that before is that... <laughs> you know so was it a horizontal or a vertical card vertical it was a okay. vertical one yeah. yeah wow so i was like wow that's you know and i've been around enough that if i haven't seen one they're probably rare you know, or at least uncommon, at least. I've never yeah. seen one. Yeah. So my initial thought was <laughs> my initial thought that it was like a horizontal card. So then they had lots of space to, you know, sort of pen it out. Because I've got mm. a Larry Bird mm. auto like that, and it is amazing. I know most of my cards are vertical, but I just couldn't go past this one. It's yeah. Oof, so well, some people space. have a lot of variance in the autos, don't they? Yeah, early in the career is quite a bit different. Like um, yeah. even just like Dame on his example, it was like he went from dame and st and then you could see a d and a squiggle and it went to sort of d s d and then a, sort of a fucked up version of that from there <laughs> so you can see the progression from the older ones to the new ones i guess when they're hype and they're in the league like shit man i got fans all this stuff and they're all into it and then it's just like that dude that does the line you know on the new more recent panini ones like Tyson from mr burden. squiggle to yeah oh. that's when you see the like the old there's like the 70s and 80s players when they you know like jeff hornacek and people like that when they're in like the releases and it's like jeff 
porn a second. It's just yeah. like, oh my God, look, <laughs> look signed. at this. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, he really signed he signed it like in nice handwriting. Uh, it makes massive difference. Yeah, Can we talk national treasures? Yeah, I was gonna say to you boys, what are you how are you guys going for time? Because we're a bit over <laughs> time, but uh are we? Okay. Fine. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. I'm having yeah. a roll. I'm I'm still good for a bit. Okay. No we worries. can make this the last thing if you yeah. like. We've yeah, got no one well, well we've got we've got another thing to briefly touch on. I'm what do you want to talk home. about that? Working from home tomorrow, so it's, everything's good. Well, uh, we did have an NBA legend pass. Yes, we did bring that up in the chat too. What is this? Bill Russell. Oh, right. Okay. Before we um, move on to National Treasures. Yeah, sure. Let's do that. Ad, you go first, man. Um, I just thought it was sad. It was something we sort of touched on earlier this year. Um, and and we, the comment was made. It was like, do you, when you're collecting NBA greats, um, when's the right time to buy? And and I think, sadly, um, Russell and I were talking about this and Russell was like, I want to add a Bill Russell to the PC. And we're like, yeah, you better get on that because he might not have long left. And then he sort yeah, of been, it happened. Been, mm. It happened. He's been, it's no longer with us. And I don't know. I think it, it, was, it was a nice sign of, I saw someone post up on one of the Australian groups that there was going to be a one-month hiatus on selling Bill Russell cards out of respect. Probably because of what they saw with Kobe. Yep. Um, but, yeah, it, it's kind of like one of those when when do you do it uh, questions. And, um, yeah, it's going to be a lot harder, I guess, to get that man's autograph. Yeah, well, at least he was a good signer. Yes. Yeah, he that's did, true. I mean, to me, I'll just talk on him as a player, like on and off the court. Yeah. There might not be anyone more important, Russell, and I don't think there is. Like Michael Jordan brought the game to the world, but Bill Russell forged, you know, his, the, mm-hmm. the way for all these dudes, man. He's so important, man. He's he's he one of my favorite players. Yeah. 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 Like I have him number four all time, you know, 11 championships, man. Then going to coach and, you know, stood with Muhammad Ali, all that stuff. And just, I, I always love defense as, as a Pistons fan too. He yeah. just, I don't know if there was ever a better defensive player in the NBA. Yep. And I like, you know, like him giving Charles Barkley the fingers at that <laughs> award show. Like, he's a character too. And I love that too with um, Swin. So, man, what a, I had a good life though. And, you know, he, for a, for a tall, for a tall ex NBA player, is a pretty good run. It's a pretty um, damn good run. Yeah. Um, and there's just so many stories of him being awesome off court and helping players and, you know, keeping yeah. them grounded and squashing beefs yeah. and, you know, just, you know, if, I think everyone would probably looked at him as, uh, you know, the cool uncle guy that would, you know, step yeah. in and say cool stuff. And, you know, if you, even if you hated the Celtics, you'd probably love him. Yeah. And and you, you just got nothing but respect for the guy. Like, yeah, for sure. he knows about it. Yeah. He like, He's the one that will say, back in my day, but you listen. And you go, you know, oh, well, the game's different now. And you go, no, no, no. This man is the pioneer of the sport. Um, well, no one's ever going to – I don't think anyone's going to come close to breaking that sort of championship number. No, nah, no, no, one's, no one. You're using – everyone uses Jordan as the comparison. People can't even get to six. Nah. It's just just winning one is looking hard enough. Like, Correct. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> Our yes. only hope was like Robert Horry, I think, right? That was it. That's it. <laughs> The coattails is going to try and get in. That's yeah. it. But I mean, yeah, that 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 number of championships and you know, he's he was kind of like mm. a just the perfect mix of a ambassador of the sport. 
Yeah, no. for sure. And and that was the thing. Like he didn't just play and then fade away or play yeah. coach done with basketball. Mm. It's always around all-star weekend. You know what I mean? Like, and I think it's beautiful that he made it to the 75. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that all-star the weekend. Yeah. And he was player coach for like last a few years of his career as well. I mean, when's the That's last correct. time that happened? Oh God. He's the first. Well, it's happening at the coach. moment in Phoenix, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Chris Paul. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> mm. But, but yeah, like it's, yeah, we're never seeing that kind of greatness ever again. Yeah. You're not, you're not going to see someone like him again. Yeah. I mean, I, I used to put like things that'd be tough to see again. Potentially would be like um, when Jordan won defensive player of the year and scoring leader and MVP yeah. in one season. That's yeah. um, it's one of those sort of, wow, okay, that must have been a hell of a fucking season. And obviously it was. Yeah. But it's one of those ones where I think that's liable to go before anyone hits a leather chips easily. So there'd be another left unattainability. Yeah, well, Giannis was, well, he won MVP and defensive player, but not the scoring title. So, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And he was close on the scoring title. Yeah, he was, title. Close. He was mm. close, real close. Played some more minutes here, yeah, he would have been all right. That's it. Yeah. Wasn't load so, managed. How about you, yeah. Russell? Um, thoughts on Bill? So I think, to be honest, I haven't watched a lot of his games and a lot of his footage, and I've made you know, somewhat of an effort to get it. But I even found, like, so going back to Pontel, they didn't have a lot of archive footage of him. League Pass is starting to get a little bit of his, but I've only ever watched, like, one entire game of him. That's all, I've, like, in terms of, you know, start to yeah. finish. And it's a little bit difficult to watch that footage, so it's a bit hard to yeah. maybe get a grasp mm. on maybe how dominant he was because I, I found... Uh, I can't think of the right word, but there's not enough sort of frames per second to actually... Really um, appreciate it. Yeah, to sort of watch it in a sort of a smooth fashion. But I think the one thing that you can't deny about him is, you know, the impact he made on the court. And you touched on that yeah. with the, the championships. And I don't think that's ever going to happen in any sport, frankly, again. And then probably more importantly for me is, you know, the off the court stuff, because I think that the way that uh, as a white male that was born in the 1980s, how I grew up and then how he grew up in a, in an area that was segregated and then he went to a place that was Boston. And if I think we can be brutally honest about Boston, they're still having issues with racism and um, issues with, you know, whites integrating with blacks even today. So if you hear about some of the stuff that Kyrie said about playing there, it, to be Mm. frank, it actually damages their chances of acquiring free agents in the future. So if that's what they're dealing with now, you know, can you imagine the stuff that he would have had to dealt with, you know, back in the day? So Well, his whole house got trashed and vandalized after winning 11 championships. Going from Louisiana to Boston would have been pretty crazy. Yeah, (laughs) totally, totally different. So (laughs) I think, you know, sometimes I sit around and I'm sorting basketball cards and I'm like, what am I actually doing with my life? And then when you hear about stories with guys <laughs> like this, you're like, I really need to like get myself motivated, you know? And so I, when I see people like that, though, I think I have a deep admiration for the amount of achievement they've had in their life. So, yeah, you know, more so I'd probably say the off the court stuff with that type of mentoring that he was doing. And then for the civil rights movement that he was doing and for empowering, you know, young and up-and-coming black people because i think he did a lot of space in that education point too with you know providing scholarships and yeah all that type of stuff so i think that that's also really important for me and probably making like a a modern comparison to that would be lebron because he's built a school and 
he's yeah. doing his utmost to like rebuild his community and you know provide that sort of very positive role model so that's that's how i feel about bill russell and i i frankly think that he's probably a little bit underdone in terms of like where he's ranked in in terms of the all-time you know basketball scale but again probably going back to what i was saying before about watching the old games that's probably where it's lost a little bit is in the you know in the translation mm-hmm. and this is like make absolute, a basis of comparison. Yeah. yeah, it is. But this is absolute crazy talk, what I'm about to say. But I love these type of things. Can you imagine if we had like some type of like time machine and we brought all these dudes together? So it was like peak KG versus Bill Russell. And it was like peak mm. Shaq versus like peak Duncan, something like this. I That'd don't be know. Awesome I'd, if you could. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would yeah. like love to see that stuff. So, yeah. I think with the anyway. footage thing with Bill, like you just when you're going back that far like you just have to go off other players accounts or, yeah 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 like, that's true yeah, the testimonials pretty much yeah. yeah and um what a lot of them said is they feared like even going like going <laughs> getting layup, on the court yeah the bill like running down like in transition behind yeah. him, like it's getting swatted there's a picture <laughs> i saw a picture of him jumping over his own player like pinning the ball against oh the wow team. yeah like yeah, he was a beast. Uh, his, his, yeah, it's I like think... the LeBron chase down block, except there's he jumps over his own play. Yeah, to Cuban it. loves him. He's, like, <laughs> he's jumped Damn. over it. So it's yeah. like LeBron chase down cross with Vince Carter dunking over Frederick Weiss. Yeah. That's what that photo yeah. was like. Yeah, yeah. Literally. pretty much. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool, man. And yeah. um, I think he was like a, I think like an all American high um high jumper, long jumper. He mm. he was just an athlete, like a yep. real big athlete. I'm just looking at some of his things. Like they, he won two in '68 and '69. They won the championship. That's when he was coaching as well. Yeah, yeah. player coach. I mean, that, and and two winning championships the championship. as a player coach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's shit. I mean, yeah. Steve. Well, well, yeah. I don't know. Who who would could even come close to doing that? I don't think you could these days. Le- LeBron would be the would be the only dude. Like if he's like, I'm going to be Westbrook. Yeah. <laughs> Westbrook could play forty eight minutes I'd, a game. I'd say Chris Paul. I would say Chris Paul. Lead the league in shots. Yeah, it'd be it'd be like Chris Paul. Yeah, yeah. it'd be. Steve Nash could probably take the court again for Brooklyn. Yeah, he almost probably almost did last season. With he probably injury. wishes yeah, he could retire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah now Bill, great great player. Yeah, it's a sad. Yeah, it was a sad day to to have yeah. lost. Yeah, lost the legend of the game, and yeah, fortunately, it's a sort of that that's going to happen. <laughs> and it's it's cool like any it's not cool to them but it's cool that like it gives you an excuse just to go through and watch all the stuff again and yeah you know read all the history up on them again it's it's cool brings him into the spotlight for a little bit mm. yeah, for sure. i mean i think he's always going to be at the top of the tree when you're talking about the all-time winners he is definitely the yeah. winningest the winningest player, player. Yeah. Yeah. yeah winningest player in basketball I mean, they kind of made that uh, category to give him his due credit because yeah. he always, you know, it'd always be a Kareem or Wilt would probably be the people that would yeah. shove in front of him around that sort of time, Wilt specifically, and then Kareem later. Um, but, you know, I guess that's just the thing with with errors and, you know, how yeah. do you, you know... How do you compare? In, in regards to what people meant to the game in that mm-hmm. era there was none bigger than and that whole team was full of multiple time winners i mean yeah. they were just the gold platinum standard of team sport you know and and there was yeah. no better example of a basketball player for team sport than him yeah yeah so ultimate team player. Time, you know so i i think you probably yeah. won't see that even 
know, the championships was is amazing, but I guess just that level of dom consistent dominance as well for such a long period of time. I mean, a lot of people say, well, probably Jordan could have done it if he hadn't taken a little hiatus between the three peak. Probably, probably, but that does still put him at eight, right? So, you know, it's yeah, even on the best scenario. You know, yeah, he's still, still, there, short. still a fair way at off, the yeah. best scenario. But he even himself spoke about the fatigue after winning three chips in a row. So maybe mm. if he had a stayed on, he might not have won that next three. Might not have done, yeah, three peated again. Yeah, oh, yeah. Hakeem was a beast back in 94, 95. Hakeem, mm. yeah. So to yeah. get through him, then yeah, again, yeah. But I think you're right, Kyle. I think you know, it it kind of hits a bit different. I think when you hear the his teammates and contemporaries talking about him, yeah. yeah. Because, like no one talks about Wilt like that. Like Wilt was always sort of regarded as like the overall bit of talent. I just was always a bit all of about a show his own pony stats. and all that yeah. sort of stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. everyone like had the respect. Russell Westbrook, really. Ah, oh, here we go again. <laughs> Without the height. Oh, we're there. Yeah. So I, I think yeah, like I haven't looked into too much recently since um, he passed, but. I was just thinking that I'd probably like to see like his Hall of Fame speeches and, and stuff like that, and just yeah, you know, or pe- people who talked about him at the time and yeah, you know. for sure. I think it's one of those. Uh, well, actually, with him, it's probably a lot of people did know how much of a treasure he was mm. before he left. You know, mm. yeah. Like so many times you hear, oh, you know, he doesn't get his due credit and all that sort of stuff. I think he, sure. I think he probably got more of it in the latter part of his life because he was still yeah, active. Very- and yeah, people, yeah. people um sort of you know mm. went gravitated towards him because everyone loved him yeah 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 you know yeah and he was just like one of the last guys from that era that was yeah. still around and visible and contributing and you know yeah turning up and being seen and still signing yeah, yeah. you know so if yeah if you, if you were lucky enough to get um a bill russell auto awesome one day for me, one day. I definitely want one on my PC for sure. Yeah, I I didn't pull the trigger and I'm not too sure when it's going to happen now, to be honest, because I'm assuming what's going to happen to, what did happen to Kobe is going to happen to Bill Russell now. So I think... Um... No more no more signing, that's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Those upper deck century legends signatures or whatever they're called, you know, mm. um, they're going to go through the roof. Yeah, yeah, just give it a few years, hopefully. Hopefully it comes down a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, I'll um have a squiggle on some paper for you. We'll send it to HTA. We'll, we'll, we'll all be winners. Yeah, we'll get it. We'll get Just graded. Just graded. Just graded. Just graded. <laughs> yeah. Uh, NT, uh, Russell, you wanted to get into? Yeah, I mean, why not? It's just dropped recently, and I believe just... I believe you broke a box today. Did you? We did break a box today. It was you did delicious so... box. So the two takeaways that I've had from this product is that I'd say overall the quality control is just a fraction better than the last couple of years, particularly with the edges. And I think that, I mean, more maybe less less so or more so than Noir, but it's the same sort of kettle of fish. I think that's probably the biggest criticism of those two products. And then the second thing I'd probably say too, just looking through the checklist, and I'd put this same sentiment across even Prism, for example. I think the checklist they've just done a better job at selecting, you know, better veterans and better old school guys. So you're not sort of getting these guys that you don't even know, you know, who they are or you don't never heard of. Them. 
What's that? <laughs> don't, say, don't say Damon Stoudemire. <laughs> no, not, not Damon Stoudemire. Like some of the guys from, you know, the say the 60s and 70s that, you know, just mm. you literally have just never heard of. Like, I think mm. there was a lot of those guys last year that sort of, you know, came through. I think with Phyllis. Sort of, yeah, which sort of just soured the boxes just a little bit. Whereas this year, I think they've taken that out. And, you know, I'm not saying yeah. they've taken out every single one, but that's that's my two sort of big takeaways, I would say, from those particular products. And look, I, I don't think they've done anything ingenious to it. I don't think they've changed the product around and made it look, you know, different from last year or anything like that. But it is just they, they I don't think they should. Yeah, yeah I don't think they should. Yeah, I, I think yeah. it's just, a, they've, I think they've done a really good job this year. The other thing I probably heard people bouncing around to is a little bit about the game-worn and the non-game-worn stuff. So mm. I'd definitely like to hear your you know, <laughs> views and opinions on that. But well, Are we talking um, yeah, unassociated we... with any player? Or, well, or no the, rookie stuff, player? the rookie stuff is not. It's not associated to any game. It, it says game, event, or player. Yeah. yeah. Not associated to any, any, so, yeah, anyone I, in particular. I think me and Paris, we sort of trashed that mm. aspect of it last, last live we did. Like to me, like in a premium product like ENT, it better be game worn. Yeah, yep. game worn. Like just wait till the end of the year when when you can get some rookie stuff. Mm-hmm. Like to me, like NT is like the is the top of the top, right? A couple of others, but yeah, to me and like sticker order. To me, like the look and everything is is consistent. Looks really good, but those the things like the um, not yeah not signed to, to that particular event or whatever yeah. just let it down yeah and, and like seeing those christmas sweaters or whatever the hell they put in it just was really disappointing like we talked about that last time like you hit Jalen green or Cade cunningham and it's freaking christmas that should have stayed in hoops i think that should stay in hoops. <laughs> yeah. yes should have stayed right. on the floor yeah. <laughs> it should have been burnt and salted <laughs> yeah. and burnt yeah. those those hoops patches though were so nasty they're cool though but yeah, that's in hoops. It's yeah, in hoops. hoops. Yeah. yeah, keep it to hoops or donors. So, so whatever. If, if, yeah. if you're yeah. paying a premium price, you should be getting a premium product. Yeah, yeah. and special right. autos and stuff on on card autos, game worn jerseys, top tier vets, all the rookies that are coming out of the product have been in the league for four years already when the stuff's being printed. So, just to be devil's advocate here, and I'm not pushing back on your opinion. I just more want to like just dig this out a bit more. So. What do you think some of the factors or the influences were for them to stop using game-worn rookie jerseys in products like NT? Overprinting. Over-printing. Oh, in NT? In yeah. NT. Yeah, um, NT. Not sure why in NT, yeah. The COVID stuff definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Say backlogs, lack of actual access to things. Well, do you actually wonder if, you know, Americans are quite particular when it comes to some things. Do you think that they couldn't legally... Um, guarantee the the health and safety of the Panini staff if they'll give oh, him wow. game worn clothes because potentially Rudy Gobert wore it and he had COVID or Rudy go you know what I mean like um, mm-hmm. I well, well, anyone's going to trip out it will be Americans so yeah yeah I I don't know I I just I I don't know the answer to this but I just wonder what is at play there that's you know sort of led them down this path because. Mm. I'm just sort of trying to go back in my head. So, 1920 had all game worn stuff, didn't it? Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Was it, yeah, was it 1920 when it changed? I, I think that 1920 did have game worn in it. And I wonder if this is like hand in hand with COVID. 
yeah, COVID definitely impacted it. And I think they just were like, shit, we got we got to get this out. We've got to get this out. We've got to get all of these players checklists. We've got to get them all done. And to me, like, if it's not going to be up to that standard, just don't put it in. And like true collectors would be happier to just like sort of not <laughs> pay that and not actually get like an underdone product. Like how much were you paying per box that Australian? Oh, it's retailing for like around six thousand Aussie now, like sort of that five high fives yeah. to six. Fourteen yeah. cards, right? Eh? 10 yeah. Cards, yeah. Yeah. So that's six hundred dollars per card. Yeah. It's to me you have to you have to make it premium and those things let it down. They just really like at least with flawless, you know you're gonna get on card. Like to me, I wouldn't. Yeah, I'd just wait to go for four. Like, I just think they obviously just don't have this this the stock to use, right? So I mean, it's there it's, was an issue too. Yeah, they just don't have it. So, but stop printing all the other stuff. Well, yeah, the thing is, there's nothing wrong with just being honest. I mean, everyone knows the deal with COVID. There's not many games being played. What could they do instead? We're going to replace the RPA with a um, inscription line. You know, custom. You know, maybe they have K. Da, 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 and then something about the team. I don't know. They could have gone a different way with it. I guess yeah. they just wanted to keep the theme of every year consistent, but they devalued it, I think, by dropping in some less than desirable product. Into, yeah, it's, into it's, it. yeah, I don't know if that's a good argument too, like they're saying like with stock quantity, because then we've seen like recon coming out now. Yeah, but their which, whole their whole um present um their whole release slate was screwed. Yeah. And now yeah. Recon's got memorabilia in it, and last the last release of it didn't have any. So all of a sudden now they're putting memorabilia into a product like Recon. It's like, I mean, it may you... be we we don't know when they printed them really either. Mm. You know, is the thing they may have pre-done a lot of it or had it all prepped, and then everything backlogs, and it might just be a decision around, geez, what do we do? Uh, we have to put something in there, and maybe that's how it kind of goes. Yeah where maybe things had caught up a bit on the back end when Recon started coming out and they had some more, more stock to pull from. Who mm. knows? So, Carl, are you saying that it's game-worn stuff in Recon, is it? Yeah, the, the veteran stuff in there. Oh, the, veteran the, stuff. The, okay, yeah. sorry. Stuff, okay. But to me, it's more like why use memorabilia in that product? And why then, don't you and, yeah. keep it for the for your good releases that? that are focused around memory. Of, but like, they've definitely got stock of the veteran players because, like, if you look at any of the replacement autos and stuff coming out of Panini recently, it's largely been Currys. I don't know if you guys have And those up black on boxes. And those, yeah, there's yeah. been a ton of... Uh, Curry signed a lot of stuff, I think, because I was noticing them pop up when all the, um, the redemptions were getting replaced and every other one was a Curry. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, they must much. just be paying him a mint to sign all those... I can't think of any other reason for that, but yeah, you're right. And that sort of high end white box one of one, he's been, yeah, he's a staple. But I mean, yeah. you know, he's, he's a good price, he's a good replacement player, and I think that's maybe it. the majority of people probably be like, yeah, it's a good, good trade off. Yeah, yeah. happy with it. definitely, yeah. Especially mm. from a Lamello, which is sliding down in value at the moment, and you sort of anticipate that Curry will just keep trickling up, so mm. it's not, yeah. Well, especially you know after the championship and, and stuff as well. So I mean, I guess it, uh, there wouldn't be that many people that would be pissed off um, that their um, whoever the hell redemption got replaced with a curry white box one or one or something. Maybe. Yeah. Going yeah. going back to recon. Do you know what I'm surprised about recon? That that product is still around. What, why is that still being produced? I thought they would have cut that after mm. one year. Was it into year three now? 
uh, second year of its own release. It wasn't Chronicles before. Yeah, it was part of Chronicles. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> God. Unbelievable. But I mean, I, that, that's probably since they knew they were losing the license, right? So I think everything and everything's just on the table at the moment. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to flat out say, oh, Panini's just in it for a money grab, you know? Yeah. Like, it's a, but part of it is. I mean, you kind of. It's a lot of different factors. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, yeah there's a lot of releases that probably don't deserve to be there. And if you've been a bit critical around it, but I don't know. I mean, if what it's sort of doing at the moment, some of those have become a bit more affordable. So if we're talking about kids wanting to rip some packs with their dad or, you know, save up and buy something, yeah. those are all of a sudden affordable again. So yeah, I think, sure. you know, they've got, they've got a place in the market. And as long as you know, it's not a quote premium product and it's yeah. just a fun rip and you can get game worn things and well, cool. You know? Yeah. I think just pay what, what you want you know you expect what you pay for yeah but i don't want yeah. to see that shit in flawless or anything yeah, like that exactly. yeah exactly what i mean like flawless nt why why are we getting not premium product in in something we expect premium yeah mm. that's what it comes down to me and anything because like, i like i actually like chronicles like i like picking up a whole bunch of rookie clicking yeah. base sets and it's cheap and they look like luminance looks cool so yeah there so i know nice what i'm that, getting and that's it yeah, but you know yeah. what you're buying yeah, and exactly. there's an expectation yeah. There's an expectation. Yeah, exactly. Panini has done that. They've actually they've nailed every single price point. That's like one thing you can't take away from them. They've nailed. Fanatics have taken it away from them. That is true. <laughs> they get to take over it. Coldheartedly. Yeah, that's it. Look, yeah. I personally think the best thing that happened to basketball cards is Panini. I, I know that's a very unpopular opinion. That is a hot take. Yeah, and I think <laughs> the stuff that they've they've done is frankly ingenious, and they do come up with i still reckon they'll be around i I think even with fanatics taking over i think they can't they can't they're gonna play a vital role yeah i could not agree more they you don't think they're gonna get bought i reckon they might they might partnered in some way shape or form Mm. or they might get bought bought out but to completely remove penny from the picture i i just cannot imagine a world that that could you know penny's gonna we're taking prison with us (laughs) yeah they've got that they've got that one thing they've got prison they've got the go-to product but everyone thought the same thing about refractors i mean it's True. just the same tech by another name you just yeah. call it a different mm-hmm. you just re- rename it and use the same yeah yeah so i mean i i think you know the cynic in me thinks that because panini uh did yeah panini did 44 variations of prism they've kind of exhausted all the naming rights around <laughs> whatever you could call a refractory <laughs> looking card that Fanatic's going to have to invent a word <laughs> to call it something. Or buy a word off Prism. Uh, yeah. Well, they Shock. own, they own everything. They own top, so they could just use all their refractor types, I suppose. Yeah, but so I'm actually looking forward to that. I'd love to see the word refractor coming back into the market. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. But Some of my favorite cards are refractor. The only thing I'd say about that is I would say that the tops products that have been out so far have been about as well received as what's the worst product in Panini? Oh, recon. <laughs> it, yeah. I would say that all the top stuff that's come out has been still not as well received as recon. So yeah. I, I don't think that, I think if the assumption is, oh, Fanatics will get rid of Panini, they'll just roll out tops and everything's going to be fine. I, I don't think it's all going to be like roses at all. And I think the, the licensing is a big part of it, though. I mean, you know, yeah. there, there, there will be, um, you know, they, if they bring back Tops Chrome, I mean, yeah. if, they, if they bring that back with a big rookie class, that's gonna that'll blow things out of the water again. 
but I mean, I think what you will see is Fanatics replicating some of the things Panini yeah. did in March because they're going to yeah. want to print at the same volumes. Yeah. You know, yep. so, you know, they are... it might not be 44 parallels, but it could be a dozen or 10 or those. Well, I know on, they, stepped, they stepped up their game when they released Select with 45 different one of ones. Yeah. So, <laughs> what's 30, cool? Adam? Come on. <laughs> I know even some of the top baseball products have a ton of parallels. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of one-on-ones too, as you say. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, it. So, I got a one-on-one. So did everyone else. True one-on-ones a thing. Like you see all these word, you know, descriptions sort of popping up. I remember when true, what, true one-on-ones and true gem mints and all these sort of things. It was like, why do we need the word true in here? Is it yeah. because there's so much ambiguity around what an actual one-on-one is these days? I thought if it has one-on-one printed up, it's a one-on-one. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. So, but I mean, the market the market kind of determines the the collecting scarcity anyway. Mm. You know, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's true. You know, some cars just look trash, and they're short printed than some of the other ones that are more desirable. Should we uh, tie off, lads? Are, are we up to yeah. two hours now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> two and a half hours. <laughs> See, we we don't have the consistency, but we have the duration. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we've got the same now. When we get our shit up. together, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, uh, Russell, look. this is what would happen on our show if we just didn't like try and work within a time frame. Uh, yeah, this is segue upon. This is inception for us. Like segue <laughs> yeah. into segue into segue. Look, if you What's guys want to do it again sometime, it's I, I think up. so because yeah. we there's even yeah the stuff we didn't even touch on. This, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Oh, look, yeah. there are rabbit holes galore we can go down and, and explore. Get into collections, get in showcasing and stuff. It'd be pretty yeah, fun. sure. Yeah. Hmm. That'd be great. Look, you know, you know what's funny? Like on our normal podcasts, I'm actually the one trying to hold the podcast together. And um, Aiden and our other mate Twain are the ones going on tangents. Yeah. <laughs> they, they did a. <laughs> They yep. did a Marvel Marvel MCU one, which I stayed the hell out of. I was like, no, I've got no part of this. And it went for four and a half hours. The, the <laughs> How many listens did you get on that bad boy? Uh, I don't even know. I just stayed away from it. <laughs> I don't know. What... Yeah, so, yeah, like tangents are our thing. So, yeah, I was going to say, that's almost you... as long as the extended version of uh, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's the what was the one the Justice League Zack? Oh, the Zack Snyder cut yeah, of Justice yeah, League. Yeah, yeah. That was really good. I, I enjoyed that. that. I enjoyed yeah. that. It was good. It was just long. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. well, yeah. Cheers, boys, for coming on. Really, yeah. Awesome chat. Heaps of cool mm. things to talk was, about. Yeah, it was um, awesome. Yeah, good to meet you again. Yeah, Thanks, I think Lance. we can definitely do that again. And um, yeah, it's pretty quiet over here in the NZ at the moment. So we'll um, when things ramp back up into the season and better new releases will catch up with you guys again so there'll be releases and some and some games to talk about maybe the pre-season maybe the start of the season yeah for sure so Mm. yeah thanks guys for coming on i don't think you need a special event to have us on honestly if if there's you know a blank spot in your schedule just please reach out to us we've i i've had a personal i've had a great time tonight so i'd love to do it it's been a lot of fun nice to hear thanks lads thanks guys awesome cheers guys see you guys see everyone watching and listening later watchers